everybody. Hello, everyone. Hello, listeners to this here podcast. You know what it is? Does anyone know what it is? Oh, Hunting Pixels. Sorry. Oh, I... yeah. There, there you go. Yeah. You are listening to Hunting Pixels, the one and only official video game podcast of Culture Pop. We have a show for you today. Uh, it has been roughly, uh, what, two weeks? Two since? years. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's been roughly two years since we've uh, had a show for for the for the peoples that listen to us on the reg. You know, so uh, we're we're back, baby. We're back, and uh, we're going to uh, we're go- we're going to do a catch up episode because this is the first time that we've. Uh, well, it's not really the first time that we've done like a normal episode since Game of the Year, but it's it's close enough, right? Um, so this will be uh, our first quote-unquote normal episode in a, a pretty decent bit of time. Um, we're going to talk about all the stuff that we've done since we last recorded. So... Yeah, fun times. Uh, I am, of course, your host, the one and only Bebop Man, Josh McMullen, and I am joined, as almost always, by my two co-hosts, Dylan, oh God, Neo Martin, <coughs> and Austin Agent Smith Stevens. How are you two uh, fellers doing today? I'm doing good. Cool. Migraine too up. bad. Migraine up, but it's okay. Migraine up. It's all right. We'll get through it. We will get through it. Don't. Uh, is there a, a definitive cause of migraines? Oh, stress. Well, I, I know that like stress can contribute to migraines and and other things I like p- that. But like, is there like a definitive like it is caused by blood vessels like? swelling in your head or something like that i think that's what it is i think it is blood vessel swelling okay from all the tension all the tension because i mean like literally anything can cause you to have a fucking migraine yeah that i mean that is that is accurate <laughs> pretty much anything can cause i you have to someone that i work breathe with, the wrong way and she gets them like every other day and she has to take medication for it i could not i could not Dude, yeah, no, fuck all that. Kayla gets them on a pretty regular basis, and I would never want to deal with that, like, ever. Oh. Like, that just sounds, like, fucking awful. Yep. I used to work with a dude when I did a electrical. He had, I don't remember what the specific medical condition is called, um, but it basically, it, it just, it gives you migraines that last for, like, hours at a time. Ugh. And they're so bad that, like, you're like you you lay down and you can't do anything. Your head hurts so fucking bad that you just have to lay there for hours until it goes away. I have one hundred percent had stuff like that happen to me before. Um, just fucking outrageous. Like, I think I'm I'm yeah. pretty sure when I was working at Target, uh, I um, had to leave work a couple times because of that. Like, shit just is awful. And uh, I know I've had them at partner too, where I'll just, I'm like, hey guys, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take the day off because I am dying of a fucking headache. 
And luckily, they're pretty cool about it. So, you know, stuff and things, things and stuff. Uh, anyway, yeah. So, uh, what's what's been going on? What what we what kind of stuff we've been doing since uh, since since we last spoke? I uh, I went to New York, New York City. Oh, you did? Yeah. You went I, uh, international. I. You are correct. I went to where. I went to the home of uh, Skyrise Excellence. And uh, while I was there, $8 pizza slices, like he told me I should, uh, like any good New Yorker would. You know, that's what he told me. He said, you, when you're in New York, you only eat single dollar pizza slices. And that if you don't, you're not a real New Yorker. Those were the words that he impressed upon me. Um, so I did it, and it was disgusting, um, and I'll never do it again. And uh, <laughs> he deserves to burn in hell for lying to me like that. No, I'm kidding. Were they? I, I'm, I'm. Were totally they just gross? Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. He uh, he told me to never do that. Actually, he said that that's the worst possible thing that you could do, is um, uh, eat the dollar pizza slices because they are absolutely horrendous. Um, I listened to him and did not do that uh, because, you know, I'm not trying to die uh, from a food poisoning, you know? Uh, I feel like that's a, uh, that's a thing that I'm not trying to do. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, uh, we went up there. It was kind of an impromptu trip. Uh, Kayla and I went, and uh, it was um, a... It was a lot of fun. Uh, I tweeted this out uh, that I don't love New York City. You know, the I love New York or whatever. Um, I don't love New York, but I kind of like New York. Um, where, like, I, I love Miami and I love Chicago. Um, I, I didn't have the same sort of experience with New York City uh, that I did with those places. Uh, it's still a lot of fun, though. We, we saw... Uh, we did some touristy stuff, obviously. Uh, we saw um, the... Where all did we go? We went to Grand Central Station, uh, which is uh, apparently called Grand Central Terminal now, which is uh, really quite annoying. Uh, even though, like, it's not all that annoying. I don't know why. I, I, That's the place from the Spider-Man game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. Um... So, uh, yeah, we did that, and uh, that was a lot of fun, and um, so uh, we saw that. We went to um, Grand Central, or not Grand Central, but uh, we went to Central Park. Uh, that was also a lot of fun. Uh, Central Park is um, very big, like very, very big. I was genuinely... Um, like impressed by just how large it was uh, in terms of space. Like it's massive. Um, so we did that. We uh, I'm trying to remember all the places that we went. Um, Times Square. Yeah, yeah. We actually we stayed uh, uh, off Broadway on Times Square. Like it was like literally nice. Times Square was walking distance to us. Um, that was pretty cool. Uh, just seeing all of the, the buildings lit up with advertisements and stuff. 
that was a like a really cool sight to see. Um, what else did we do? I, like we went to a bunch of different places. Uh, we saw the building where John Lennon was shot, um, and they filmed part of Rosemary's Baby. Um, that was pretty cool seeing that. Uh, I've never really seen like filming locations before. Um, it's something that I, I would like to do in, in more spots, but it's something that I've never really done yet. Um, that was cool. And uh, we saw the Flatiron Building, um, which it, my memory of that is that's where the offices of J. Jonah Jameson and the Daily Bugle are in the old um, Spider-Man PS1 game. Uh, I don't know if that uh. is actually true. That's just my memory of it. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it was it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I did have pizza while I was there. It was pretty good pizza. Um, we went to a uh, a restaurant that was Tim Burton themed. They even had like a little live show with some uh, actors performing as oh, Beetlejuice shit. and Lydia from Beetlejuice and Fester from uh, the Adams Family. And that was pretty cool. Uh, they had like a whole bunch of. Um, themed drinks and and food and stuff and uh, I had a, I had a lot of fun there. Um, we walked a lot, uh, fucking getting around the city in a car is a goddamn nightmare. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we're gonna go back at some point and uh, do more things uh, and um, see more things, obviously. Um, but yeah. Good time. I know it has no value to you whatsoever, mm-hmm. but the one th- and I know it's like, of course, like he talks about going to New York, and what's the one thing I want to do? Let me ask Austin. Austin, if you went to New York City, what's the one place that you would want to go? <laughs> yep, he's laughing right now. Yep, he's laughing. The Pokemon Center. The Pokemon Center in New York. Oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. It is. Is it? Hell the, yeah, it's a thing. Is it the only place in the U.S. that has one? Yes. Yeah. So this is like aside from aside from the pop up shops that appear like routinely in California. Yeah, the the closest thing that I could say even comes even smidgenly close is uh, the the part of the Japanese part of Epcot in Disney. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah, I I absolutely love the um, Epcot just in general, but yeah. the the Japanese part of Epcot especially. Well, all the Pokemon that you see in there is like blown up, like it's the Pokemon store, and like does it, does this one have the life size like Mew in the in the capture chamber too, or is that just in Japan? Japan, I think ours has. Um, I think the one in New York has a life size, uh, or not? It's not life size; it's scaled down a little bit. But I uh, Rayquaza. See, that's pretty sick too. Like just to go in there and be able to shop and see all those things and like the exclusive stuff. That is the first place I would go. I would make a whole day of that. Um, oh yeah, dude, that would be so cool. Do you see the statue when you were in that? When you were up there? Uh, no, we didn't. That's another thing that I want to see. You know, because it's kind of touristy or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, we just didn't have the time uh, or really the money because uh, it was like I said, a kind of impromptu trip. Like Kayla right. had a free flight that was going to expire on I think the twenty third. Um, so she was like, we, we need to try to use this before 
um, before it expires. So we did that. We got a um, we got the uh, her free flight thing from Delta, but we hadn't been like saving up for a trip or anything like that. So we were just kind of like, all right, let's go. You know. Yeah. Still cool though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had fun. It's a lot of money. It, yes. <laughs> How much were the tickets? The plane tickets? Uh, let's see. I think we, since we got one of them for free, it only ended up being like uh, around like three hundred or so. Um, oh. But normally they would be significantly more. Mm. So. Uh, you go first class. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Because I'm Skyrise Excellence over here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no. Um, what was... Uh, yeah, it was like $300 for our ticket. Um, and then it was... I think, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere in the neighborhood of like um, three or $400 for a hotel. And then just our, our spending money from there. But... That sounds really cool, dude. Yeah, that's good. You guys should Dylan, let's go to New York. I would absolutely go to New York if only for the Pokemon. Let's thing. do it. Let's do it next weekend. And hang okay. Well <laughs> I have plans. <laughs> he said, I don't know about I that. Do have plans, dude. That's funny. Um I would I would okay, like to meet Justin up there, you know. Talk to him you know, about business. Yeah, I was gonna go see uh uh Skyrise Excellence, but um he caught the COVIDs, so. Oh no. Weren't able to. But do he's that. doing better. He's doing better. He's doing better. Yeah, he didn't die. Thriving. Unfortunately. No. Um, whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa. Whoa. How dare I say something so. Man, I didn't say it. Blatantly. Uh, People outside of the Discord probably really think we hate this guy. Yeah, they probably do. And they're, you call him Skyrise Excellence. Yeah, because he's fucking rich asshole. Um, he lives in New York. He lives in New York. Yeah, he lives in Manhattan. Uh, <laughs> the following address. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> so, uh, fun times. Fun times. Uh, Austin, what have you been doing yeah. recently? I finished Bleach. Oh! Surprisingly. I don't know how I did that. 700 fucking chapters in, like, what? Less than two weeks? Yeah, that was a lot, man. You you fucking tore through that shit. Yeah, dude. There was one night I was reading for so long, my eyes were burning. I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. I can't believe it, man. Um, but I... I'm not, like, obsessed with the series. Like, I feel like a lot of its fan base is. Uh... I think it's really good, and like that's uh, that's kind of about it. Um, I I don't. This might be a hot take. I don't know. I kind of feel like the because uh, Bleach recently came back, finally doing the last arc, the Thousand Year Blood War, mm-hmm. and I I think that's a really overhyped arc, man. Like I kind of felt like it was the weakest in the entire series. Really? Uh, ex- except maybe the one that came before it. The Lost Agent arc was kind of weak, too. But Thousand Year... Like, it was just... I, I I understand what you were saying a couple weeks ago 
about the the, the bullshit power scaling escalation and kind of just not very good writing because a whole lot of what happened in that arc did not make a shit ton of sense. It was kind of just like, hey, let, let's let's wrap this up. Let's finish yeah. this out. Um, but it was all right. I, it's one of the big three, so I wanted to get it under my belt, and now I have to read One Piece, oh, and that's kind of worse. <laughs> Boy, I promised Madison's bro- Madison's brother that I would do it, so like I'm gonna. Next. Yeah, that's going to be the next thing that I read is just to. I also want to play. Really want to play One Piece Odyssey, but I, I feel like. I feel like I would enjoy this game so much more if I was more understanding of the source material. Yeah, I agree. Because I'm sure there's going to be like a lot of references to all the different arcs and shit. I'm sure there's Easter eggs and collectibles. So I was like, let me just read it, knock that out, then I'll pick the game up. I think you're going to love it because it almost made me buy it just by you know watching the gameplay and stuff of it. I, like it I, looks really pretty. Yeah. So you start reading I'm and excited. then playing at the same time, you're gonna. Fall in yeah. love with that game. I'm gonna start One Piece probably, honestly, probably tonight. That's probably as soon as this is over. God, that's an undertaking, man. And I'm gonna see how quickly I can do it. He was like, "Well, or you could just watch the anime." No, absolutely fucking not, dude. I'll be spending the next two years of my life watching that shit. That's I'm true. good. Yep. I'm fucking good. Yeah, and that's another what? That's over a thousand episodes. Like, there's a thousand chapters of the manga and over a thousand episodes of the fucking. Anime. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> the animation studio. Uh, I don't remember which studio does it. I know it's a very famous studio. Uh, they uh, posted a video on their YouTube channel a couple months ago, and it was like one second from every episode of One Piece, and that was like a forty-five minute long video. Jesus, I was like, holy that fuck, dude! Unfucking believable. That's very daunting. Jesus Christ. Maybe I'll watch it too. I don't know. Not any fucking time soon. Yeah, you probably shouldn't watch it anytime soon. That's <laughs> that's such a time sink, man. Because like I know that if I watch it and I really really like it, I'm not going to stop watching it. I'm not going to want to do anything else. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's kind of how I was with Berserk, man. Like which I'll get to in a minute. I need to read that too. But, yeah, I, I kind of didn't want to do anything other than read Berserk once I had started it. Like, that was it. That's all I wanted to take care of. <laughs> yeah, I need to read that. <sighs> well, um, I mean, I guess that's as good a transition as, as I'm going to get. Um, <laughs> I read Berserk. Uh, or at least I've read up through Deluxe, uh, Deluxe Edition 12. Which is, I think, the thirst first uh, thirty-six chapters. Um, might be the, f- yeah, yeah, because it's it's three three uh, three volumes uh, a book. So, yeah, um, I genuinely don't even know where to begin. Um, Berserk is one of the best things that I've ever read. Uh, I think it is one of the best pieces of fiction uh, to ever be written. Um, It is... Un... 
It is unbelievably well written, and it is. I I personally think, without a doubt, the most beautiful, like, comic book art, manga art, whatever you want to call it, that I have ever had the pleasure of like laying eyes on in like book format. I I think that it is absolutely stunning. Um, it just when you're looking at panels, it like there are there are I I think a number of things that you're looking for, right? I I think that you're looking for like clarity in in the action. I think that you're looking for like just good composition things, like you know framing of of like faces, framing of bodies, how how things flow together like if it flows really well the way that you're supposed to read it or whatever um and berserk has all of that in spades like the action in berserk is some of the best and most clear action that i've ever read it is incredibly easy to read um the detail in the drawings is fucking unreal i genuinely don't know how Kintaro Mura was able to draw like the pages and the panels and things like that the way that he was because they're just they're so ridiculously detailed and so ridiculously beautiful um, and that carries over to I think the, the character writing I think that the the character writing in in berserk is unrivaled uh like guts as a character i think is like without a doubt one of the best written protagonists i have ever read uh like he just everything that goes through him feels in a very similar way to the antagonist where how you feel about him is very complicated and it's supposed to be very complicated your feelings on him um i really think that like guts and griffith are two of the best characters like just period ever written they are i kind of don't even know like ways to describe them that like I haven't already said like it's it's immaculate it's it's brilliant it's beautiful like there's just a layer upon layer upon layer um i think my only thing with berserk and i i'm not even sure that it's necessarily a valid complaint is that there is a lot of adult content in it and a lot of very, um, I'll just call it grim. A lot of grim content in there. Like, there is uh, sexual assault um, and uh, other things that are that are worse. Um, and then, obviously, there is, like, murder. And uh, there, are, <laughs> there are child murders and... Um, uh yeah it is 
very hard to recommend as a um, as a I don't want to say a, a good read because it is a good read. It's a very good read, but uh, maybe like it, it's not going to be the easiest thing you ever read. It's 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 going to be something that is going to uh, haunt you, uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, there are things in Berserk that uh, I read that I kind of wish I had never read, um, just due to the content. Um, that doesn't make it not good. I, I think that like kind of the 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 best point about Berserk is that like it's a story about overcoming really awful things uh, about like really awful things happening to you and how you can overcome those things through uh, the people around you by the help of the people around you and it makes it all the more a compelling narrative because of that um, it's just it's brilliant I, I, I don't even know any other way to put it it is one of the best comics I've ever read if it's not the best um, I I can't say enough about how good it is it, it really is like just an immaculate piece of art and uh, if you can stomach some of the things that are in there um, I, I I would recommend it to any anybody who can do that I, like it's excellent that sounds wild and I'm gonna read it uh, are you are you planning on watching any of the anime adaptations um, I've thought about it uh, I kind of want to watch the the 97 uh, because I heard yeah. it's like the closest that you can get to um, what it would be like if Kentaro Mura had worked on the anime um, mm-hmm so I want to try to see that. Uh, I've already seen, I think, the first two of the, the 2012 movies. Uh, my recollection mm-hmm. is a little bit fuzzy, but uh, those are good from from my memory. Um, I'd have to I'd have to go back through and like rewatch them again to to be able to like recommend them. But um, yeah, uh, oh yeah, good stuff. I went to look it up to see if I could read it on an app, but I couldn't find it. I think you sent us a message, whether it was last night, today even, I don't know, but I went to look it up and it wasn't there. Mm. Yeah, you can, I mean, you can read it online. There are ways to do that. Um, uh, But, um... Those ways are not... uh, Lawful? Question mark. Yeah. Legal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there there are ways to do that. Uh, I am going to wait for. Uh, I I presume. Well, no, not I presume. I I know for a fact that. Um, uh, Deluxe edition thirteen is coming out this year. Um, there are pre-orders available for it. Um, after that, though, there are only two more volumes of manga that have been printed. Uh, so I don't know how um, 
that is going to work with regards to um, like publication of the deluxe editions. I don't know if they're going to release like a deluxe edition 14 that has those last two printed volumes or I know that um, words words are hard um I can't, I can't think of uh, what I was trying to say. Um, oh, I, I know that this series has been continued uh, by um, Koji Mori, who was Kintaro Mira's best friend. Um, and I know that uh, that has been going on since late 2021. Um, so I don't know if um, those chapters have been collected into a volume yet. I don't think that they have. Uh, but if that's the case, then potentially a um, Deluxe Edition 14 could be on the way uh, at some point. But that's uh, speculation on my end that I don't want to lend credence to. I, I don't know that that's the best way to say. But I, I plan on, on reading more as it comes out. Um, in the deluxe editions because I think that, that that format is like just like chef's kiss mm. um, I think that that's the best way to read it like I like the I like the little trade paperbacks um, that I've read for like Chainsaw Man and Hunter Hunter and stuff like that but like the deluxe edition is you know it's big and it's hardcover and it's wrapped in leather and it's got its own little bookmark and it's just uh, I don't know. The images are bigger too. Like it's it's blown up, and I don't know. It's I think it's the premier way to read manga. I feel like I have to read it with how much of an impact it had on Miyazaki. Yeah, dude. I, I having read it now, I can't unsee all of the fucking stuff that has been inspired by it. Like if you if you like Final Fantasy VII, you like Berserk. If you like fucking Dark Souls, you're going to love Berserk. Like, it, its tendrils have gone out in so many different directions and influenced so much stuff that it's like, I really think that it's kind of hard to understate just how big of an impact it's had on yeah. culture in, or uh, Eastern culture, I should say that. So, anyway, uh, Dylan... Tell us about uh, the last of or uh, what, what do you want to talk about first? You know, spoilers. S- spoilers. Um, let's talk about the last of us in brief, though, because I've only seen the pilot. I know the second one's. Oh, out, you but didn't I see had the second one? Watch it. Damn Not it. yet. Um, I did play the game though. <laughs> hey. Um. I did not expect this show to be as good as it is. I kind of slept on it all the way up until its release. Um, didn't really have excitement for it. I think Jeff was talking about it in terms of it was one of the shows he was most looking forward to, along with that 90s show, I believe. Um, and I just didn't... Like, I, I had played the game so much, like, I was kind of bur- burnt out on it a little bit. Um, I didn't have any problems with the casting or anything like that. But it the just wasn't on my great. T- I don't know why yeah. anybody would have fucking problem with that. Mm. Um, <laughs> but it, the day that it came out, 
we just so happened to be we were about to sit down and eat dinner and we had hbo max up and i saw that it had released that day and i was like fuck it let's just do it we'll dive in one episode um the show is real damn good that it's like it's it's up there with i would so far just from the pilot let me let me preface all of this that this is all coming from just the pilot um very faithful very very faithful to the <coughs> game which can sometimes be distracting because it's shot for shot remake of the games which i'm not accustomed to uh, when you know we hear about a video game adaption even the even the ones that do it great, like Edge Runners or Arcane, it's not it's its own story. It's 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 built within that world. So watching The Last of Us, I feel like I am watching at parts cutscenes from the game, and it's wild. It's not a bad thing um, because I think that with how it's shot, like they still have enough creative, unique influence within the show to make it unique to itself. Um, and talking about the casting, man, I love every bit of it. Like, I, I never doubted Pedro Pascal as Joel, but actually seeing him take on the role, he is incredible. He he is exactly what I feel like I would want to see in a Joel on screen. And his relationship in the beginning with his daughter, Sarah, it just... It picks up so quickly, and you can immediately feel the chemistry between him and his daughter, and... Dude, I mean, you, you know what happens if you've played the game. Like, you know ultimately what her fate is, and it is... I feel like, to me, it was more heart-wrenching seeing it happen on screen than playing it. Um, mm -hmm. They really, really delivered on a lot of the emotional scenes that are throughout the first episode. Um, I forget her name. Oh, I hate that I forget her name. Um... Bella Ramsey, when you mm, first get yes. introduced to her as Ellie within her first scene, which may be 30 seconds to a minute at most, I was like, that's her. That's Ellie. Like, she captured it in that moment. The, the anger, the sarcasticness, you know, just the bite that she has behind her words. It was fucking incredible, man. I loved every bit of the pilot i planned on watching the second episode today but wound up uh streaming getting a headache so that never happened but um yeah i'm excited to see where it goes from here i uh, there's a lot that i'm skipping out on um like the fucking introduction to the show was one of the most chilling things like if you're at first, you don't really know where it's going, but to hear, like, this scientist break down the possibility of what we know will inevitably come to fruition within the show, it was terrifying just to listen to it and kind of, like, share similarities with how I kind of feel like, and I know they did it on purpose, but, like, how COVID went into effect. Um, it was It was fucked up, and I think it carried more weight because of us coming out of COVID because of the time that it's released and hearing him talk about it it's like shit like imagine if something like this did break out and it was the end all be all 
disease, like one that could potentially have the same effects that he's talking about. It's terrifying how quickly, just because we saw how COVID worked, how something like that could work. And you know it would be only a matter of days for it to just completely take over the world. And it's it's terrifying, man. Um, Wait till overall, you get to the second episode. Son of a bitch. What does that mean? What <laughs> the, does that mean? The opening to the second episode, I think, is even better. It's It's... It's chilling chilling is the is the is the word to use that's wild okay see so as soon as this episode or as soon as we finish recording this i'll go watch it because i can't not go do that now that you've said that um but yeah that that's it for me in that regard um i i highly recommend it to anyone who has or has not played the game um real real fucking good yep i need to finish that first episode you started and didn't finish? Yeah, I got to where Sarah got shot, and I cried for 15 minutes, and I was too emotional to finish, so I stopped. I was like, I'll come back. All right, well, I can't do it right now. Since you said it, in that scene, I feel like it was much harder this time around. Because, yeah. first off, the act, and I want to give her credit where credit is due. So, um, I don't know who plays her um nico parker i hope i pronounced that right i yeah. hope i pronounced that right she nailed her performance as sarah even though she was only on screen for a short amount of time i fell in love with her so quickly yeah. like just her relationship with her dad like you can see that she's the one taking care of him you can like she and the the, the the like clapbacks that they have for one another is done out of nothing but love. It's a lot like the game, but she brings so much life to it that when the inevitable does happen, and like you see it as a, as a person who's played the game, you know that it's coming. And you were like, I looked at Sabrina and I said, "It sucks knowing that she has literal seconds to live on this screen because it was when Joel was running with her through all the place, mm-hmm. all the places." Um, and then the yeah, inevitable, it was tense. It, man. it was tense, and then she gets shot, and you know she's gonna die. There's, you know, there's that's that's the story. She dies, but seeing how Joel reacts, like he's doing everything in his power to save his daughter. He he knows what to do. He knows he's hurting her, and she is writhing in pain, and she is crying, and she's screaming for him to, like, not even to stop, but you can just hear it through the grunts of pain. Like, she is dying. And Joel looks back at Tommy, and Tommy's face is just, he knows. And the, the chilling part of this scene wasn't knowing that she was dying and listening to her scream. It was hearing her stop. And that and when joel he doesn't even look at her die he hears us hear the same thing and it's the silence and he just holds her he knows what it's it's the it was one of the hardest things to watch for me uh they nailed that scene they nailed how that felt as a gamer to watch they stepped it up so much in the show it was incredible yeah i agree with that does it mm, I don't think that it necessarily is an issue for a lot of people, um, but did it bother you at all how much was ripped 
like straight from the game. <laughs> like it, like uh, it, not 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 necessarily story beats because like what are you gonna do? Of course, of course. Uh, yeah, it's the story. But right? but I mean, but you're like, talking shot for shot. Yeah, like I I was watching the um, I was watching the pilot and the. I mean, if, if you've never played the video game, like, I think there are other touchstones that you could maybe, like, make a case for. Like, for instance, the scene where um, they're driving around and you're in the truck with them and the camera just kind of keeps kind of, like, spinning around to get everyone's perspective and to, to show you, like, the landmarks that are happening and stuff like that. Um if you've never played the game, you could be like, oh, that's, you know, that's something from uh, Children of Men. That's kind of like the, the car shot from Children of Men. And like, okay, yeah, you've got another touchstone there. But like, that was, to me, when I was watching it, I was like, this is, if my memory serves correct, this is ripped straight from the video game. So was the burning house on the side of the road. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and like that, and that entire sequence where they're trying to escape in the truck, I was just like, "This is ripped from the game. You're this is where you're at the entire time you're playing the game." Uh, and to me, like like I said, it's not necessarily a big deal, but it is kind of like a. I think that you could do something different. To like to showcase the medium that you're that you're now in, like do something inventive with the visuals that you're doing, as opposed to doing a video game that was already ripping off visuals. Does that make sense? It does. Like it does. And again, I, this is just something that like I know I am being like one of those fucking pretentious pricks who was like, Ooh, video games, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, but like to me. I want something original. And if you're going to do an adaptation, you should do something like is fundamentally within what like movies can do. Take your video game story, put it into what movies do best or, or TV shows or whatever. Don't rip off the game that was already ripping off movies. Do something new, do something unique. You know what I mean? I do. And again, yeah. that's, it's not a bad thing. Sorry. I like No, no it's fine. I, I, I mean, I, I get it. Um, there was a, there were multiple times where I was looking at Sabrina throughout that first episode, and I was like, "This is directly from the game, like from the gift exchange on his birthday to um, the the ride leading into the town, the farmhouse being on fire." Um, Dude, it was shot for shot. And my thing, I've always complained that when a game gets a video game adaption, it's not true to itself at all. And this one is so true that I'm like, what is happening? Like, it, 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 it was crazy to see. Um, and it was almost distracting for me as a gamer because I was obviously making those comparisons. Like, I was sitting back and I was like, isn't this from that part? Um, it was wild to me, and I neither hated nor loved it because, um, <laughs> sorry, I neither hated nor loved it because, like I said, it was distracting, but it was cool to see, but I think the show did so much new 
for itself, like the whole scene with Sarah walking across the street and stumbling into the house that was uh, um, like like we had seen her in earlier in the show with the grandma and stuff like that and the grandma freaking out in the chair, like seeing her go back across the street and stumble into that atmosphere, like that was new, like that wasn't in the game and that was really cool to see. Um, so stuff like that. So I see what you're saying, but luckily for me, it did enough new that I was 10 out of 10. Yeah. And that's, and that's totally fair. Um, like I said, I am just a pretentious prick when it comes to that sort of stuff. You are not. You know what you like, and you can talk about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I liked it. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on episode two, because I, th- I think the episode two is... Stay tuned. Next week. Probably even better. It's good stuff. And I can talk about episode three next week, too. Oh, shoot. Hey. Let's go. What is that, what is that word that you use? Uh... Uh, bussin'. Content? Oh, yeah. Content. <laughs> uh, alright. Um, let's see. You guys both have one apiece. I have two left, so I guess I'll go next. Uh, I saw Megan. Me- How was that? Megan, uh, in case you're unaware, is the new, uh, killer doll movie. Uh, just came out a couple, what, two weeks ago? Three weeks ago? Hmm. I kind of fucking loved it um, to the point that I am I'm going to read my review just to kind of sum up my feelings on it uh, on Letterboxd, which you should go follow me at. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a good time. Uh, let's see. My review is, is this. I'm, I'm reading verbatim. This is the exact kind of fear of technology creature feature we would have gotten in the 80s and 90s except cranked all the way up. It's surprisingly deep thematically, touching on things all the way from emotional repression to technology's replacement of authentic parenting. It doesn't all work, and its thematic depth is occasionally shallow, but it all works within the tone of the movie, or with the tone the movie sets in its opening moments. It's got a killer soundtrack, too. Really fun time. Um, I, I genuinely don't know that I could like sum it up any better than that. I, I think that it does a lot of things really well, and I think that it is can't be in all the right ways. Like it feels like it knows that it is doing something campy. It it knows that it is doing something that is uh, like I don't want to say out of the ordinary. But it knows that it is doing something that, like, is really patently absurd. But it's it's doing it in such a way that it's not necessarily making fun of itself, but it knows what it's doing. So it's gonna it's going to sit there and be like, "This is fun, isn't this? This is goofy, isn't this?" Type thing. Um, I think that. Pretty much everyone involved from the acting department does a, a, a pretty admirable job. Um, I'm not a gigantic fan of the girl, like the, the little girl's acting in this. Um, sometimes she's great, sometimes she's not. Um, but yeah, it, it was a fun time. It was a great time. I, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, so it's going to eventually probably become a... Um, 
I don't want to say a staple in my watching habits, but like it'll probably be a, a movie that I watch, you know, every couple of years because it is it is a lot of fun. Hell yeah! So this sounds pretty cool. Check it out. Uh, also, there are a lot of articles I've seen calling Megan a gay icon. Um, maybe I just don't understand that subtext all that much. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean. Well, hell yeah. I guess I'm next since Dylan's not even here. Oh, oh, oh my. Uh, speaking of gay icons, uh, I finished season one of Mobile Suit Gundam, The Witch for Mercury. Oh, yeah? Oh, boy. Um, the show starting off got a lot of really negative criticism for not only being seeming like it was a... Uh, almost like a slice of life schoolgirl type beat, but with mobile suits. Um, that and the apparent gay lead, uh, people were fairly upset about. Um, and it, it does, and it keeps up that kind of slice of life uh, esque uh, style up until about episode six or seven, um, where you start to learn a lot of really fucked up shit about these characters and about this fucking world. Um, like how the main protagonist we've been following is not the same little girl from the prologue. They just look the the exact same. They are from the exact same parents, but it's there's, there's, they haven't confirmed anything. There's speculation that it's like a cloning kind of story and all, all that type of shit. But then it gets further along and the stakes start to get a little higher and episode 12 is really where like you start watching it you're like oh, okay cool easy slice of life Gundam's doing something different and then you see the last scene from the final episode and you're like nope this is still just a Gundam show this is still just a fucked up Gundam show um, where the main character accidentally smacks the hand of her mobile suit down on a person oh god and they are just instantly fucking tomato paste. Uh, she being the kind of innocent and not all there girl that she is and being so out of touch with reality, she doesn't have a whole lot of concept of what she just did. So she fumbles her way down uh, to get to uh, the hand of the mobile suit and she slips and like she's rolling around in a pool of this person's blood but like she doesn't have any concept of that like she doesn't fully understand what's happening so she's just like oh oof i i fell silly me as you're coded in somebody's fucking entrails and she goes to hold her hand to to her fiance to kind of because she's supposed to be rescuing her in this moment and it it like she's like fuck like you just killed someone like do you not you, you don't notice that you don't realize that and then the screen just fades to black, and that's the end of season one. And it, it like, I, I'm excited now. I, I enjoyed the kind of change of pace for what it was, but now I know that this is getting into a a real, true Gundam series, and I'm I'm very stoked to see what season two has to offer. And the the fuck the 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 mobile suit designs in this show have just been fuck like top notch. Like, these are some of the best mobile suit designs that I think this series has had in, like, 10-plus years. Hell yeah. What, um... If you had to rank it on the scale, like, on, like... With regards to the rest of the Gundam series, 
And and yeah. where where would you put it um, with regards to like you know the ones that you enjoy? Oh fuck, dude. Um, I don't know because that's such a long fucking list. Uh, I'd say as far as uh, not counting Universal Century because those are just entirely different types uh, of yeah. fucking stories. Sure. Um, as far as like the alternate universe goes, I I feel like I have to wait and see how it ends to like fully have a clear. Uh, ranking, but I it's better than Gundam Seed, so that's that's a fucking plus. I like Gundam uh, Seed. <laughs> it's okay to like bad things. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, I also think Gundam Wing is also just as bad. Gundam Wing I also is don't awesome. think Go Gundam Wing yourself. is very good. <laughs> Gundam Wing is awesome. It's it's better than Seed for sure. It's it's definitely better than Seed, and it's definitely better than all of the uh, Build Diver series that they've been doing. I don't know. People really enjoy those. I don't. I'm not into them. It's just like it's just, it's just a toy, a 30 minute long toy commercial at that fucking point. And there's something um, wrong with that. Just real quick. Are we not gonna comment on Austin's shirt right now? What? what? <laughs> uh, yeah. What's wrong with the shirt? It's a What's fucking anime Playboy bunny that says <laughs> after hours that I know he's gone out in public with today. Oh my god. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. I love this brand. <laughs> I've got two other ones too. They're just different colors. Oh my god. About choked. <laughs> Hot Topics sells smutty anime stuff now, so oh, in case you guys are wondering. What's, uh... You got a problem with smutty anime stuff? <laughs> oh, Lord. Do you know... Uh, hang on. I think I may have t- taken a picture of it. Let me see. Um, I saw something the other day and I was like, we need to get this for Austin. Let me see if I took a picture of it. I may not have because I'm also an idiot. But please look at what he has in his hand. Oh, God. Oh, fuck yeah. I do have that in my hand. <laughs> What do you have in your hand? I need to see it. I had an anime figure in my hand. They're all over my desk because I ran out of room. Um, my, I'm very fidgety now because I don't, I don't smoke or vape anymore. So whenever we record, where I normally had a vape in my hand and hit it every two seconds, I don't have that. So my hands are just like, what do I do? Grab stuff. I feel that. You got that ADHD going on. What are you looking up? Probably. Um, me. Uh, I'm trying to find that picture that I was going to send to Austin. Um, if it's not within like the next couple of things, I'm I'm just going to give up. But it was it was something hentai related, and I was like, we need to get this from Austin. Was it a body pillow? No, it wasn't a body pillow. It was like a it was like a t-shirt. I do need a new one of those. Oh my god! And now I've got pictures of Milo. He's such a fucking little dumb shit. I love him. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I, I don't know where it is. Um, anyway, uh, I'll find it, maybe. Or I won't. Uh, Who knows? Yeah. Dylan, do you want to talk about streaming, or do you want me to talk about Avatar? <clears throat> talk about streaming, it'll be quick. Okay. Um, I waited for a while to start talking about it again, just so I could be sure that I could keep it consistent. Because realistically, I've been streaming now for about a month again. Um, I don't have a tried and true schedule, but I do stream.
stream consistently, um, multiple nights a week, multiple hours, you know, they're not short streams anymore, at least two and a half, three, four hour streams. Um, I got to thank Justin for that because already with the consistency, we've seen growth on both my channel, growth on the discord, growth on the, um, Instagram page, even today. Um, and the people who have come to this podcast from my stream also don't realize what a substantial help they're being. I have people who used to come around in the stream and they're coming around again and now they're interested in the podcast, they're interested in everything we have going. So it's been a it's been a really good time um, streaming a lot of a lot of shit. Dead by Daylight, Overwatcher, consistent too, but then I've also finished uh couple games on there that I'll talk about towards the end of this show. Um, and right now I'm streaming Forspoken. I'm trying to do a lot of day one releases this year as best I can. Um, a lot of indie games. Uh, that's really what I'm hoping the focus is this year are more of the indie games, ones that people might not necessarily play or know about. Um, but it's been a lot of fun, man. I'm glad to be back on the horse in a consistent... Uh, a consistent streaming schedule and in in, in at least trying to stream a few times a week, minimum. Um, and I got a week off coming. By the time the non-patron people listen to this, that will be in the midst of my vacation week, which will be streaming as much as I possibly can. Probably, hopefully, um, aside from on that Sunday, uh, six days. So, six days in a row of streaming, so it'll be a lot of fun. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't know that there's much I can ask you about that other than. I, I guess I could say welcome back. Thanks, Dad. You're welcome, son. All right. So. I saw. Avatar, the Way of Water. Uh, I saw this on. Um, the. Oh. I don't think it was the opening weekend, but I could be wrong. Um, it it might have been. I I know for sure it wasn't opening day, but that doesn't really. I mean, honestly, it doesn't really matter. Um, but I went into this with kind of a hint. I I don't want to say I was skeptical, but I I'll say that like. My experience with the first Avatar movie is that I thought it was really cool technology-wise and really cool visually. Like, the things that it was doing was really awesome, especially for 2009. Like, in 2009, movies didn't look like that with, with special effects. They kind of still don't now, if, if we're all being honest with ourselves. Uh, but... I I think that movie is really fucking boring and its story is just Pocahontas. That's I mean that's that's all it is. It's uh Fern Gully. Fern Gully is I mean another one. N name a movie where you've got, you know, fucking uh white people, <laughs> you know, destroying nature for their and people for their own, you know, goals and and whatnot. Um, that that's what the story of 
fucking Avatar was. So I really just did not think that it was anything special other than, like I said, it was, uh, it was interesting visually. I did not think that it was anything amazing, but, you know, whatever. So, um, when I was going into this one, I was really kind of like, okay, this looks, this looks good. I, I'm actually interested in whether or not, like, this one is going to go, um, and be as, as, as good as the trailer made it look, right? Um, so I got in there and I was kind of blown away. Uh, it looks absolutely fucking incredible. Um, I'm not going to talk about it uh, because I, I, I don't know that like people really care in the same way that I care. Um, but I think in terms of like what's going on with the Oscars, it should 100% be the winner of the fucking visual um, visual effects category. I, I just don't know how it's not. It's it looks too good. It like the water looks. I I know this is this is fucking stupid. Everyone says this kind of shit, and it's like it's like whatever. But like, it looks like fucking real water, dude. It looks like real fucking water. It's insane. It's insane. Um, visuals aside. It has a lot of, I think, more interesting thematic underpinnings than that first movie ever did. Um, it still has a little bit of the colonialism, uh, like, inserts. Like, the whole movie kind of is like a again, a white person going into a foreign land to kind of, like, conquer uh, something, which, you know, more power to you for, for, you know, getting that narrative out there. But I think it has a lot more to do with regards to, um, like, family and and kind of in a weird way, kind of like finding your place in the world. Um, and and in many ways, I think that it's more interesting because of that. And I, I really, really enjoyed it a lot more than that first movie because it is saying something different. It is not... How do I want to put it? It's not doing the sort of same hand-holdy, by-the-books storytelling that that first movie did. Um, that's not to say that that first movie is necessarily bad. It's just that, like, in terms of, like, telling an interesting story visually, I don't think that that first game does it all that well. Or, not game, sorry. That first movie. I don't think that first movie does it all that well. 
But I do think that this one does. I, I think that this one is a lot more interesting from a not only narrative um, from a narrative sense, but also from I, I think like a visual sense. I, I do think that the having the movie set like in the water was way more visually interesting than um, having it set in the forest. And there, there is a lot of, like, really interesting, like, like I said, like, jungle shots um, and, and sequences in this movie that I, I don't want to... Um, gives short shrift to like I think that like that it's um, better than the first one but I, I I think that the movie really shines once it hits the part where like you are doing stuff within the um, like the ocean and the the kind of like ocean villages and stuff like that there um I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it, that it was a really good time. Uh, and I, I think that it has a lot more interesting stuff to say than, than that first movie. And I think that um, if you were a fan, I think that it's worth your time to go see the second one. And I think that if you weren't a fan, it's really worth your time to go see the second one. Because the second one is, in my opinion, leaps and bounds better than the first. Um... My opinion doesn't hold much weight, if I'm being honest, but uh, I, I, I do think that, like, it is significantly better. So, there's that. Hell yeah. I have been sitting here for the past ten minutes snacking on something. Oh. Um, I'm snacking on Regal Cinema Popcorn. Would you like to take a guess where that came from? Uh, from going to go see Avatar? Uh, Sabrina sure as hell did. I didn't. Oh! But, yeah. <coughs> Yeah, she said she loved it. She literally just got back. I had zero interest in it, so her and my mom went. Mm. What did she, she think? She loved it, man. Um, she was a huge fan of the first one, and she came back in smiling and gave me huge, two huge thumbs up. We've not talked really because I've been doing the show, but uh, needless to say, she loved it. She delivered me a popcorn bucket with a happy smile on her face. Well, hell yeah. I'm, I'm glad to know that my opinion is the correct one. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, yeah, it's a good time. I, I really think that, like, I especially think that if you didn't like that first one, that you should see it. Um, three, three, fifteen? Three and a half hours? What is it? Uh, yeah, it's a little over three hours. That hurt. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, a, it's a hard ask, but if I'm being honest with you, it didn't feel like it. Like, it... it genuinely genuinely flew by I, I I'm not going to say that it felt like a 90 minute movie but like it it sure as fuck did not feel like 3 hours in my opinion if it comes to streaming services I will watch it oh I'm sure it's coming <laughs> to Disney because um, Disney owns Fox and blah oh, blah oh yeah the blah. first one's on there I think yeah oh shit Anyway, uh, should we talk about what we've been uh, 
talk about what we've been playing? Is that, is that, sure. a, is that a thing that we should do? Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. You, you guys tell me. I don't know how to host the show. Dylan, you go first. That's not at all what he just asked. Um, I, I do think that you should go first since you have four and we all or we both have three. Oh. See, I told you. Yeah, good job. You're welcome. You fucking um, nailed it, Austin. <laughs> I currently have a lot of games started. Um, Kentucky Route Zero is one of them. Pokemon Heart Gold is another one. Um... But the one that has been taking a lot of my downtime is Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth. I got this on sale a few weeks ago. Um, because of Austin's scrolling. It started, I mean, I, his recommendation <laughs> was always in the back of my mind, for sure. That's actually where that stemmed from, is that I was scrolling through the eShop. I saw it. It was like 14 bucks, and I was like, Austin would literally kill me if I did not get it. Got it. Oh, started it. Twenty hours I've put into it so far. Um, I really, really thoroughly enjoy this game. Um, I think I might have said it on the last show. It literally feels like it combines Pokemon with one of the Battle Network games. Um, yeah. It's so much fun, man. Like, I like... I'm not going to, you know expand too much on this because Austin's spoken about it in mass before. It's an older game, but um, what I will say is that it's not exactly what I thought it would be, and I'm glad that it's not. I'm glad that I chose to give it a shot because I really like the story that it's telling. <clears throat> I like all of the cases that I get to take part in. Um, love a lot of the characters that I've been introduced to. Um... The Digimon themselves are awesome. I like how many there are. I like that when I have one of the Digimon that I grew up with, like let's just say Patamon, he doesn't necessarily have to evolve into Angemon, which I think is cool. I can kind of choose between a myriad of options, and that's really nice. Um, it does a really great job at delivering a really fun story that does go to some extremely dark places something that I'm not accustomed to for a game like that um, by a game like that I mean a turn based monster catching RPG um, this is not at all what I anticipated um, and I like what it's trying to do as well the themes that it's trying to tackle it gives me hard persona vibes a lot of the time um and I'm just completely captivated. And a part of it is because the art direction in this, holy shit. Like, I can look at that all day. No matter what part of the net I'm going onto, I love the different designs for each one. I like that in the overworld, like, the cities are designed with so much color and life. And this was a game that came out a long time ago. This is not a 2022 Get released from one of the highest grossing franchises in the world. This came out <laughs> many, many moons ago, and it looks incredible, and it plays incredible. Um, I love it, man. I love every bit of the, t the time that I've sank into it. 
I like exploring different teams and like team compositions and stuff like that when I'm, you know, traversing the net. Um, I like a lot of the questions that I'm asking along the way, like, uh, like doubting myself, I guess, in terms of some of the characters, because I think that I can trust them, but can I trust them because this game's shady as fuck so far? <laughs> um, it's really good. It's really good. I enjoy it. Uh, I will absolutely be finishing it. I'm 20 hours deep. I'm not just going to drop it at this point. Um, I did start playing Hard Gold recently, so that put a slight damper on it, but that's nothing because I sat down and I played Digimon again last night, so... Um, great recommendation. I am thoroughly enjoying it. You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks. I'm so glad you're loving it. Are you, um, are you planning on getting, uh, I think we talked, did we talk about this? The Digimon yeah. World Next Order? Yep. I do. I don't know if I'll get it day one, but just because of how much I'm enjoying this game, I have complete plans to play that. I feel like you would love, it's literally just a social sim. And a pet sim. Then yes, I would absolutely love that. <laughs> That's my ideal game. Now, when you say That's day one, great. I'm pretty sure that game already came out. Am I right? It's being re-released. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. March? It's being re-released on uh, Switch and PC. Yeah, I was going to get it on PC so I could stream it this time around. Is it March? Uh, It's like February 22nd. Oh, shit. Okay. Definitely not yep. day one because I'll be playing the other Hogwarts Legacy and something else comes out next month. Oh, yeah. Forget what it is. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I don't, Next. I don't, I don't know. Uh, all right. Next up for me, I'll go with telling lies. Um, so we're doing the challenge or whatever, and uh, so I was like, you know what? Um, I am going to play some a game that I've kind of already played. Um, but I want to. I want to replay and um, I want to replay and kind of revisit it uh, as something that I haven't played in um, what is it? Uh, God, three years, two years, something like that. Um, and it kind of came about because a it was it was leaving Game Pass and um, it was leaving Game Pass and. Uh, I had kind of like just done um, immortality and kind of like been loving that, you know, uh, like it was my number three game of the year and and all of that stuff. Um, and I was like, okay, I want to go back. I want to play Telling Lies. I haven't played it in a while. I want to go back and play Her Story. I haven't played it in a while. Um, Her Story, I actually played uh, a pretty decent time ago um like i think i may have played it in december i don't know anyway uh it's, that's not important uh but telling lies is the game that uh sam barlow developed before immortality but after her story and it tells a or it's in the same sort of uh i guess style would be the word as those other two games um, where it's FMVs and you kind of have to solve a sort of mystery, so to speak. And, uh, this one, 
is interesting. And I, I think that Immortality is still the best game of the trilogy, but uh, of, of the three that I've played, uh, Telling Lies might be the one with the most robust of stories. Um, and I think that that has to do with the fact that the cast of characters in this is so large, but also so incredibly well-defined. Um, so you have four main characters. Te technically, if you really want to get technical about it, there's six, or no, sorry, five main characters. But one of them is almost a MacGuffin uh, in a way, where wherein, like, her part of the story isn't necessarily within the story. It's kind of like the framing device, if that makes sense. And the other four, the four main characters, are not only incredibly well-developed, they're excellently acted by well-known names in Hollywood. You've got Logan Marshall Green playing David. Uh, he is the guy who kind of looks like Tom Hardy, who was in Prometheus and... Uh, or Was it Prometheus or was he an alien? Uh, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um, so he's very good, and then you have uh, one of the one of the women from Westworld. I can't remember her name offhand. Um, then you have Carrie Bechet, who was in Scrubs, uh, the the ninth season. She was supposed to be the the JD stand-in. She's done some other stuff, and then you have um, Alexandra Ship, who was the girlfriend in. Um, What's the Andrew Garfield musical that I made you watch, Dylan? What's the name of that fucking oh, movie? My God, what is it called? Tick, tick, boom. That's it. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. So, um, anyway, those four characters and their actors are just fantastic. They are very, very good at what they're doing. Um, and it kind of tells a story of it, it's closer to maybe like a political thriller. Uh, whereas her story is kind of like a murder mystery, and then um, I kind of don't even know what genre you would describe immortality as, if I'm being completely honest. That's just such a incredibly hard thing to um, what's the word? I don't even, I don't even know what word I'm looking for. I guess specify would be the best word. Um, anyway, uh, point being, it's incredibly well acted with a cast of characters that I think is maybe the best cast of characters of any of the Sam Barlow games. And the story is really, really interesting. Uh, and it's one of those ones where there are multiple endings. I think that her story kind of only has one ending and I'm relatively positive that there's only one ending in Immortality. Um, telling Lies technically only has one narrative output, 
Like, the story follows through, and it follows through the same exact way, no matter how many clips you quote-unquote finish. Um, but there are different endings detailing kind of like post-whatever-happened um, based on the clips that you uh, ended up watching. And in that way, it is a very interesting uh, kind of look in how people draw conclusions. Uh, and not only that, it is a sort of... It's an interesting look into voyeurism, I think. Uh, and obviously it's, it's built on kind of like the DNA of... Um, sort of like the police state and, and surveillance state that kind of came about after, um, you know, 9-11 and how it's gotten fucking worse since, you know, the advent of uh, more robust technology. Um, but, like, it is a really, really, really interesting thing that is talking about how we... It, it really is about perception, I think, and, and how you perceive certain things. Like Because if you go into it with one mindset and you end up with one ending, that may color your perception of the entire story from start to finish. Whereas if you go in it with a different perspective and get maybe a different ending, that'll color your perspective. And it's it's just a it's a really like I said, interesting take on on perception and and how we look at the world around us. And I really really fucking dug it. I I think that it is a really excellent game. Um with some maybe clunky mechanics. Like, maybe it's not necessarily the best designed game in the world because it is, at times, more obtuse than it probably needs to be. Um, but, I I don't know. I really liked it. I, 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 I stand by it being, like, a, a game that like, you should really fucking play, especially if you're into kind of, like, mystery stories and stuff. Um, whether or not it's a game for you is kind of, I think, dependent on you um, and, and the things that you're into. But I enjoyed it a lot, and I, I think that it's a really fucking great game. Um, I recommend it. So this is... <clears throat> This is one of those games that I'm trying to challenge myself to play this year because in past years, this is something that I might have turned my nose up at just because my reasoning would have been it's, oh, that's not something that I would usually play. Um, it's a genre that didn't really appeal to me. So with trying to go down the indie route this year, I'm trying to open my eyes more to that. Um, luckily... One of the two games that Justin recommended is Kentucky Route Zero, and that's something that's completely out of my norm. 
like and immediately into playing that game i'm having the time of my life and there's some of the most interesting mechanics that i've seen in a game come from that i think that might be the right word or yeah i would say so um so between this one and then immortality especially that because it I guess it did so much for you last year. Those are two that I really want to try to get into because A, it's not something that I would normally play. I would turn my nose up at it and, you know, just potentially miss an opportunity to have something really speak to me. Um, I don't know. I just, I lost my second point, but I need, I need more of that in my life. Um, and I think that's kind of what Justin was trying to do when he gave me the games that he did this year, is give me something out of my norm. Because when I threw out uh, Nier as a as of like, no, I've not played it, but I would like to, I feel like he looked at that and said, like, he'll get to it if he wants to. Let's get him something out of his norm. And he chose these two games that never would have played. So... I hope I can make time for these games this year. And even if it turns out that I can't, they're now completely on my... I guess they're on my st spectrum because it's not, a it's not a traditional Dylan game, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of excited for it. Hell yeah. Specifically Immortality. Yeah. Uh, I, I think in terms of game mechanics, Immortality is, is easily the most intuitive uh, yeah. because there's not... The, th the thing about telling lies and her story that I think are very uh, annoying, I guess, is the way that they, they set out is like there is a computer interface in front of you. And on the, on the interface, you need to find specific clips to kind of gain a sort of understanding of 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 what's going on and mm. to do that you need to type in search terms and with regards to those two in particular you could type in stuff that like will yield you results but doesn't necessarily get you in excuse me, anywhere with the overarching story itself. And that can be incredibly frustrating. Like, I remember typing in the name of one of the characters, uh, one of the, I guess, side characters in Telling Lies when I first played it. I kind of, I kind of knew what I should be looking for uh, on this playthrough, but like I, re I distinctly remember playing it on PS4 and typing in one of the characters' names, and then it loading up the, because, okay, I should back up a little bit. There, the clips that you get from the search terms are limited to five. So even if it'll show you that there are like 43 results, for instance. It'll only show you the first five clips chronologically. So if you type in one of the characters' name is Ava. So maybe there are 43 clips with Ava in them. 
you're only going to get the first five that show up chronologically in the timeline. And that can be very frustrating when you're trying to follow story paths with, like I said, with Ava. Or if you want to follow a story path that uh, features, like... Um, I don't want to give too much of the story away, but, like, uh, say you type in, like, um, like, terrorist or something, and it shows you a lone clip. There's one clip that says terrorist. terrorist. And then you watch that clip, and it's like, okay, there's no other information here that's going to show me, like any other information it's just it's a, a very bland clip so what do i what do i need to search for next and it can be very obtuse in that way whereas immortality it's a matter of like finding okay so this clip has an apple in it okay let me click on the apple and then it'll take you to another clip that has an apple and it may be completely un unrelated it may be from like, maybe you start with the first film and then it shows you uh, a clip from the very last film. But, like, within the context of what's going on, if you're watching that clip, there are other indicators and other things within that clip that could be of interest that'll show you something new, if that, if that makes sense. Whereas I, I feel like telling lies in her story are, like I said, uh, are a little bit more obtuse. Um, but yes, any, anyway, sorry, I went off on a, on a, a sort of rant. No, nope, that told me what I needed to know, play Immortality. Play Immortality. It's fucking excellent <laughs> game. Excellent game. All right, uh, Austin. <clears throat> are you alive? He is not. Nope, I'm just an idiot. Um, I also, like Dylan, have started a lot of fucking games. Uh, probably way too many. And one of the first ones I got to finish was Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2. Um, I have previously finished this game uh, back when it first came out in 2016. Uh, but I wanted to revisit uh, it. Uh, a bunch of a couple of my friends that I used to play with when the game originally launched. We'd all play together every day. Uh, they started playing again, and I was like, oh, fuck it, I'll hop on with you guys. And I, However, I did not intend to restart this fucking game. I had to, uh, because my buddy that I used to game share with, he got really fucking drunk one night and spent over $300 on the microtransactions for Xenoverse 2. And I've never had it happen in any other fucking game, but because we game shared... My account also downloaded those microtransactions. And I just didn't think anything of it. And I was like, okay, cool. I have all these fucking TP medals. I'm going to buy all this shit. But now that we don't game share anymore, my file that I spent fucking hundreds and hundreds of fucking hours in, I had to completely wipe because I had items that I had no legitimate way of accessing. And so that really fucking sucked. And so I was like, fuck it. I'll just completely started over and I'm glad that I did I forgot how honestly really fucking fun this game was that was one of the two games that I purchased I haven't delved into it a lot but I bought Cyber Sleuth and Xenoverse 2 at the same time 
Mm-hmm. It's it, it's a lot of fucking fun, man. Uh, you got it on the Switch too, right? I did. It's very fun on the Switch. It has a the Switch port's really cool because you can actually play the all of the missions from Xenoverse One as well without having to spend extra money. I'm about that. That was pretty neat, and it has um it has motion controls if you fucking want that. I don't. I don't know why that you would. You can use your hands to do a Kamehameha, and it fucking works. The only, the only time I've ever wanted motion controls was Let's Go. That was it. I didn't even want them then. That was, <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> I do feel but that. But it, it's it's a super solid game, and like I, I think a lot of animes could benefit from the formula that Xenoverse Two did. I like they're they're any major shonen in the world could have done the exact same thing, and it probably would have been just as as successful. I feel like Odyssey's going to do well for itself. I think so. I I need to look. I haven't checked at any reviews on how, on Odyssey at all. I don't think I have either. Looks good. Though. I think I I think I might have scrolled past IGN's one day. I want to say they gave it like an 8. I would scroll past it too. Yeah, that's usually what I do. I feel like it's what most people do. Yep. Too much water. <laughs> too I forgot that they actually said that. Yep, they did. What did they give it? This tells me everything except what they gave. Oh, they gave it a 7. That's good. That's fine. That's all it needs to be. Um, What did I play? What's next on my list? Let me see. Oh, yeah. All right. So, really interesting. Um, I guess just happening that I had take place a few, uh, last week, actually. I woke up, and I think it was a Tuesday. I was going to stream, but I didn't know what to stream. I didn't necessarily want to go Dead by Daylight or Overwatch again, so I was just looking at some of the new releases that came out, and there was one that happened to come out that day. It was an indie game, and the indie game was made by a single-man dev team. The, the guy's name is Scott Craighead, Um, And he made a game called Pitch Silent. This is a first-person survival shooter puzzle game. Essentially, it's very short. Like I said, this is a a one-man... This is his first time ever creating a game. Um, But I decided to get it, and I decided to stream it. And what a weird ride that was. Um, The game... I will use Justin's word. Words. It's a fever dream doom. Um, very old school, I will say that. And he set out for this to be an old school game. Um, I wish I would have thought to bring up his Steam page, or the Steam page for the game before this, because what he said about it actually got me captivated enough to buy the game. It was not expensive whatsoever. Um, Let's see. He essentially says that it it was a... It's not a hand-holdy game. It's very retro-themed gameplay, and it's trying to emulate games from the early 90s to early 1000s in terms of design. 
And he said that it's meant to be a challenge. It's a movement-based shooter, so you need to be moving constantly because shit is in the game trying to kill you, and they do a good job at it. Um, there are no autosaves. If you die, you better pray that you saved relatively recently because you will go back to the very last time that you saved, and I promise you, for me, it happened to go back about an hour. Um, so that was super unfortunate. Um, but outside of that, so that was his description of the game. So I started playing it and it has a lot of issues, I'm not going to lie. Um, that being said, this is his first game. I need to emphasize that. This is not some super AAA title that has a huge development team behind it. I had to go back and kind of gauge my expectations. And I wound up, so fun, fun story. Scott Craighead wound up joining the Twitch stream that I was a part of. Like, he came to my channel, and he watched me play his game. That was kind of awesome. Um, I got to ask him a lot of questions about the game. I got to... And th th the questions that I was asking him um, were actually from a Dead by Daylight stream. Like, he stuck around after the fact and just kind of talked to me about his game, which was super awesome. Um... But he wasn't there for a lot of my early frustrations, and I was kind of ragging on the game, which he went back and watched, and he was like, God damn, my game pissed you off. I was like, it did, but by the end of it, like, I didn't hate my time with it. I kind of enjoyed what he was trying to do. I enjoyed the difficulty that the game brought. Um, stylistically, towards the end of the game, it was really awesome. I will say that um, a lot of the level design was really fun to navigate. Um, some of the scenery that I saw towards the end of the game was great. Um, I will say that the game isn't really fleshed out with its combat. It's a it's a click the left mouse button and that's it. Um, there are different weapons that you can use, but it all comes down to about that. Um, there are little magic orbs that you can pick up and some fire like a shotgun, some fire like a SMG. It's nothing crazy. Um, that being said, it was a very short game, but I enjoyed going from point A to point B by the end of it. It didn't really have a story to flesh out, but I got to ask him some questions about it, and um, it was cool just to kind of see some of the design routes that he took. So the music that's in the game, he did not create at all. Um, he actually wound up buying it from a site that posts their music and if you want to use it in your content you can you just got to pay for it so that's where the music came from and i'll say that a lot of the choices that he made for the music kind of matched thematically for the areas that i saw going into it um, a lot of the areas were weirdly enough like dark souls one reminiscent um like it was just old school kind of grungy dungeony looking areas covered in like f you know hanging moss and just dark, like deep gray stone areas like that so a lot of the music that he chose wound up going with it but then there were like levels that literally look like it comes straight out of doom um and again the music there was on point um other levels that were blinding black and white it was weird a lot of the choices that he made for his game but it made it unique i will say that not necessarily good or bad, but it made it unique. Um, what I liked having him in the in the in the chat for was that as I was playing the game, I ran into two, three 
I'm not going to say bugs, but kind of glaring issues. One, I fell through the map at some point in the game, and I was stuck. I, w I wouldn't even say I fell through the map. I fell through a little crevice, and I couldn't get up. I couldn't use any ability to get up, and it was I was stuck. I had to reload a save. Luckily, it was only about 15 minutes prior, but it was unfortunate. So I made note of that. Um, also during, like, I didn't know for the longest time playing that there was a sprint option because when I brought up the controls to look at them, guess what? The left shift, not there. Not at all. But surprise to me, when I pressed the left shift in the game, goddamn, it's an evade button, essentially. So that kind of opened up a lot of things, but it wasn't, you know, made, I wasn't aware of it. Um, and also the sound slider in the game was completely broken. My sound was so loud in the game that I had to turn my OBS settings down so my viewers didn't get blasted out. Um, I remember you saying all three of these about that. Yeah, it was substantial. It was truly substantial and all three of these things I gave him feedback on by the time that I was finished playing the game in that single sitting of the stream he had already patched it. He took my feedback and patched it immediately. I think that was super great. Um, I asked him, like, where some of the inspiration came from, and he, he kind of made a joke. He was like, the game seems like it's made on drugs, but it isn't. Like, he just takes a lot of inspiration from David Lynch. Um, if you're not familiar with David Lynch, he was involved with, like, Twin Peaks hang on, and Eraserhead and stuff. Real quick. If you're not familiar with David Lynch, you should make yourself familiar with David Lynch. <laughs> there you go. That's from the film aficionado himself. So there's a lot of movies out there to where once he said that, I was like, okay. I A lot of the what-the-fuck questions I have going on right now are explained. Um, but... <sighs> By the time I was finished with it, I was like, you know what? I would play a sequel. I truly would. Like, I like a lot of the mechanics. I would like to see it fleshed out. Like I said, no true story, but even just like a, a dungeon-crawling, run-and-gun type of game, I was there for it. And he said that if the game turns out okay-ish, he'll make a pitch Silent 2. And he's going to go for like a Silent Hill 2 vibe and that the script is already written. It's just up to us to get the game to where it needs to be. Um, and it will run as a prequel, not a, not a direct sequel to the game. So, um, super interesting playthrough. I'm not going to lie. I think it's one of my favorite happenings so far this year just because it gave me the opportunity to connect with the dev in my stream. And I got to ask him questions about it. I could bring it here to the podcast. And I hope to have more of that later in the year as I continue to day one some of these indie games that not a lot of people hopefully will be playing. Um, it was a lot of fun, and I do not uh, hate my time with it. And it's a cheap game. S support a small dev. Like, show him that his dream was worth it. Like, to me, this game feels like if I myself, Dylan, wanted to create a game and I released this, I would be proud of it. Because if that's the thing that I created on my first shot, it was pretty fun for it just being a little old-school retro game. So congrats to Scott Craighead. It was a lot of fun, and I hope to see more from him in the future. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I jumped in on the stream, and it looks interesting. Um, Definitely that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if yeah. it's anything that I would necessarily play myself, um, but I enjoyed watching you play it, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I had some, I had some funny moments, funny clips. Um, but it was, it, was, uh, it was pretty wild, man. I enjoyed it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. 
Who's you should next? get him on the show. We should. I could. I have friends. He he's a follower on my stream now. You know, I got connects now into biz. <laughs> God damn it. Video game bona fides. Yep. Let me see. Wait. I think Miyazaki's calling right now. That's so oh, weird. Weird. <laughs> um. Cool. Yeah. Uh. Well, that's uh. That's fun. Um. I am also going to talk about a little indie game uh, that no one's ever heard of. Uh, I hate you so fucking. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Obviously, uh, if you've been watching Dylan's streams. Uh, or if you've been listening to this podcast, you know, ever, <laughs> uh, you know that I play Dead by Daylight, and uh, I have a lot of fun doing so, and uh, Dylan has started playing a little bit more, and because of that, I have been uh, playing more, obviously. And, um, yeah, so uh, that's that's something that's been happening, and I... I'm still very much just really enamored with the game uh, in so many different ways. Um, it is 100% not a... How do I want to describe this? It still has all kinds of problems that really annoy me in a lot of ways but there's so much good that's going on that like I am I don't know enamored every time I play it like it's it's just one of those games that like every time I play it I'm sitting there and I'm like god this is so much fun god this is so much fun I love playing this fucking game um, and recently they've announced or not announced but they've given us new new characters they gave us the the knight and vittorio um who i am having a blast playing as uh i like his his perk where um you can basically like bank uh like charges up to a certain percentage and then once you reach that percentage you can unleash them um to kind of like get a sort of how do I want to describe it? like you can jump ahead in the progress of a generator I think that's like really fucking boost. cool um did you just say something I did it's like a super boost on a generator yeah repair. yeah, yeah. I, I was trying like I thought I heard you saying something but then I was like maybe I'm just <laughs> it's like did you just interrupt me no 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 <laughs> it's not I was just like thinking to myself I I might be hearing something. I might a gnat flying by my head. Right. I, I I might be developing uh, schizophrenia. You know. Anyway. One can only hope. One can only hope. Uh, anyway, these new characters Oof. that they've introduced are hell of a lot of fun. Like I'm just I'm really enjoying my time with um these characters in in particular like even the knight like no nope. i have not played much of the knight but it's an interesting mechanic that i i'm really uh enjoying learning i, I should put it that way um with regards to playing against the knight 
<laughs> I think I'm fucked up. Yeah, that's not a good I, time. I'm with you, Dylan. I think that that's uh, a terrifying experience sometimes. Um, and I am I'm not always completely sold on on doing that. If I can avoid he it. He can essentially spawn a second killer and it's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Is that the, the one we played the other yes, night, Dylan? Yes, I was about no. to say, with the first game that no, Austin no, no. played with me, he played the Mm-mm. night. <laughs> no, I wasn't down for that. I was like, no, sir. Yeah, it's... <laughs> and then I uninstalled it. It, it, is, it, it is... It can be uh, ridiculous. Um, but I, I'm enjoying it. Um, I don't know. Uh, they've introduced some new stuff. Um, like they they have a um, a new mechanic within the game that uh, is uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. Is basically where um, it, it's basically where you have. Uh, or, uh, it's not mechanics, but um, you have a meter that is telling you uh, like progress and um, wh- what people are doing and um, where they're well, not necessarily where they're doing that, but like they're so it's like sitting there and it's like. Okay, this person is working on a generator. Okay, this person is working on either cleansing a totem or or, or something. It, it, it's working on there. There's something there that that person is doing, and you as the survivor know that that's happening. Just real quick, when was that introduced? Uh, within this last update, like the ones that I've been playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just—I mean, it literally just got introduced like uh, within the past within the past week for sure. So, how have I not seen this? Uh, I mean, have you played within the past week? I had to, yeah. So it shows that someone's working on a generator. Yeah, yeah. I am blown away. I think I'm just that fucking ignorant. I mean, it, it might have been something that was released within the last couple of days, but I know for a fact that the last time I played it, like before I, I went to New York, um, it wasn't there, and it's it's something that's new in the game. Oh, so, damn, dude, maybe I've not seen it yet. Holy shit, all right, I guess I know what I'm streaming next. Yeah. So um, that's gonna be fun. But yeah, yeah, and and it it I think it it does a lot to like one of the things that that really sets Dead by Daylight apart from other other games of like horror uh, is information. Information is king when you're playing these games because it's. Um, When you're a killer, you need information to figure out where the survivors are, so then you can track them down and obviously hook them. But it's just as important to have information on the uh, survivor side of things. And up to this point, like I don't think that there has been enough survivor 
information perks to kind of like help you out. Like you can you can use Kindred, and that'll show you like all of the players that are hooked. Or, or no, sorry. If you get hooked, it'll show you where all the players are. And they can see where all the other players are. But if you're the one who has Kindred and you're not hooked, um, basically the way that that works is... Um, how, do, how do I describe it? Uh, you can see where all the other survivors are. You can kind of see what they're doing. And... If you can see what they're doing, then you know, like, oh, this person is working on a generator. They uh, are not going for the save. I need to go for the save. That sort of thing. But having that information there, like, straight out, out of the gate, out of the way, to let you know, like, this is what's going on with everyone in the area. This is, like how I need to proceed with what I'm doing, I think really helps to... I think it helps to aid survivors in a way that hasn't been something that you could do in the past. I think that in the past, the information spectrum has really been in favor of the killers. And I think that like because of that, you very often got like killer-sided matches and killer-sided um, like win streaks and I personally am of the opinion even as someone who like likes playing killer I think that it is something that is inherently bad for the game for one side to win as much as it does uh, because and this is something I I know that people who play Dead by Daylight and are killer mains are gonna fucking like lose their fucking mind about. But like it should be 50-50 win rate, I think. Because admittedly the killers are way stronger than the survivors, but like you have four survivors for a reason. That's supposed to balance that's supposed to create the balance between killers and survivors. I don't think that a win rate of killer of like 70, 60, 70, 80% is a good balance. I, I just don't think that that's the case. And adding in this kind of stuff is, I think, very helpful to the game. Um, they've also reworked a couple of maps, and I, I think that that stuff is, uh, is good, uh, again, for, for balancing purposes. Um, I know they reworked Eerie of Crows, um, so that, that map has a little bit of a new, uh, flair to it, which I, I think is good because I, I have played that map, uh, quite often. And the last time I played it, I was like, oh, I know how this map operates. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have to worry about it. And then I came in and it was like, oh, um, this is not how I remember it. <laughs> and that was, that was, um an interesting experience but anyway uh dead by daylight good game play it uh or don't and if you don't uh you're the worst and i hate you um agreed dylan or so austin sorry real quick okay 
You go real quick. Real quick. Like you said, I've been playing a lot of Dead by Daylight. A lot more, at least. Um, I really enjoy playing Overwatch. I'm fairly decent at the game, and I love the competitive aspect of it. I like playing Call of Duty because it's Call of Duty and you can't go wrong with the just ludicrous levels of fun that their formula gives you. Um, I play a lot of multiplayer games like Valorant, League of Legends, whatever. I think that when I play Dead by Daylight, it is the most fun out of any multiplayer game that I have played. I think it's my favorite one, dude. Like, I can sit down any time of day, no matter what, pop on Dead by Daylight, and I can have the most fun as, you know, that you can imagine playing a multiplayer game. Like, it's, there's a survival aspect to it, there's a fear aspect to it, there's a cooperation aspect to it, and there's the individual nature of just being good at certain aspects of the game, too, like running the killer. It's a lot of fun, man. Like, I, I... I don't get any enjoyment out of the other multiplayer games on the same level that I get out of Dead by Daylight. And it took me a long time to get here, but now that I'm here, it's it's all I think about in terms of if I want to sit down and play a multiplayer game, it's that. Hell yeah. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> Good game. Play the game. Austin, I do. What are your what are your feelings about uh, Neon White? Oh, didn't even say um, there. <laughs> no. Um, a lot better than I thought they would be. I thought this game would be hard for me to get through because I thought I would fucking hate it. I don't. I really fucking enjoy it. Um, it, it's so like it's it's so fucking addictive, dude. I let Josie stay up to like ten thirty last night because I was too busy doing this, and I was like, "No, you can stay up. Just let me finish." <laughs> just one more level it's like three and a half hours past what she's supposed to be asleep and uh it, it's just every level in that game is designed so fucking intricately and it's like it like you fuck up just once and like that's it restart that bitch like you like you don't get a second shot you don't get to kind of redeem yourself i think there's some levels where you can kind of do it if you know how to do it but for the most part you fuck up once and you just pretty much have to restart and it like I was I was honestly amazed with myself at how like how quickly I felt like I was memorizing these short like they they don't feel as short as they actually are because I'm I'm so fucking into it the whole time that I'm playing it. It's so like I don't know what it is about it that that feels so fucking immersive, but it, it's it's so much fucking fun, dude. Um it got to the point I was not letting myself progress to the next level unless I got at least a gold. Which, I mean, you pretty much have to do that at some point to, in order to kind of continue with the main missions, but it's so much fucking fun, dude. Uh, the story was, like, I wasn't really here for it for that. I thought it was alright, but I didn't think it was anything, like, super, super wonderful. Um... But the gameplay, man, that 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 is some of the most addictive gameplay in a game I've played in a really long fucking time. Um, I'm I, I I do want to go back through it because I didn't do any of the gift shit at all or any of the social sim aspect of it at all. I just wanted to play a uh, speed run through the game. Uh, and I it gives you a different ending, right, Dylan? Yeah, it gives you what I would consider to be the good ending. 
Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, then, yeah, I'll, ha I'll definitely have to do that. That'll get done at some point this year. But, yeah, this is this is my third game beaten so far in this challenge. I'm doing a lot better than I thought I would be at this point. I'm proud of you. I'm not going to lie. I'm really playing, been We're playing some shit. We're kicking their asses right now. I'm not going to lie. Yep. We're getting it. Like, you've done three. Josh done two. That's five. I've got five. We're ten games deep. I didn't even know you did five. Holy shit. I got five. Fuck. Yep, so we're ten games deep right now. Catch up, fellas. And that's only in the first month, dog. That's one game. That's one month, bro. Five games in one month for me is unprecedented. <laughs> I think I could say the same for three, honestly. Yep. I'm going to try to beat Forspoken by months in, but I don't think I can do it. Mm. Uh, you got like a solid week. I do have a week. It's a fairly long game, though. And oh, I really? I play Dead by Daylight. Oh shit! Yeah, I'm glad you like Damn. it though. Yeah, I I really fucking loved it, dude. This game was fucking wonderful. I I want I want to see this this because this is, uh this is a small studio too, right? Yeah, it's from the uh, developer of Donut County. Oh, I did not know that. I love Donut County. Donut County is so good. Oh, yeah, this is super fucking. I I can't wait to see what else they do, man. This is. I didn't know that they did Donut County, but that's fucking awesome. That's hilarious because Jeff just beat that for the challenge. It's so fun, dude. I, you could beat it in like 45 minutes. I think you did. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <sighs> um, what's next on my list? We got... Oh, okay. The good one. The choice one of two from Justin for me this year. Um, it was the Swapper. So I'm going to be straight up with this. I'm going to be very vague about the story because I don't think I can recommend this game enough to people to give a shot to. Um, this is a... I'm going to say a puzzle platformer. You know, side-scrolling puzzle platformer, I would think. Um... I forget who makes it. I just did a whole thing about this, and I forget who makes it already. Let me go back and find that out real quick. So the Swapper is made by... Facepalm, Facepalm Games. Um, so... This game... Try, I need to be as vague as I possibly can, which is going to suck. Um, it is very puzzle oriented I will say that um, you start out and you're in space and you you pick up this device and it's I think it's called the swapper um, and you essentially can create clones of yourself up to four of them and you can transfer your body into any of the clones essentially and you can navigate around the map by simply swapping from clone to clone um, on top of that, you can also re-merge the clones. So think about that for a second and the kind of existential crisis that can um, kind of create in your mind. Because I started playing and I was like, am I the clone or am I the real person? Like I started asking a lot of questions and then it gets even more complicated when you start to understand the mechanics a little more. Um... There is one sentence 
that stuck with me all throughout the game, and it was uttered by, again I say his name, Mr. Justin Ruiz. And it helped me understand the game on another level. And unfortunately, like, you you, you know, I, I, I say you create clones to... F f uh, to navigate your way through these puzzles, the clones are copies of yourself. The sentence that Justin said that is ultimately the biggest truth in the game is that death is a mechanic. And it took me a while to process that. It took me a while to understand that I wasn't just watching myself. I say myself being where the main focus of the camera is at at the time on any given level i'm all four of these clones essentially and i need to be watching all four of them and just because there's one on the far left of my screen doesn't mean that i can't watch that one and run back and forth and jump like it's the one that i'm supposed to be focused on there's a lot of intricate mechanics in this game and it introduces you to them at a very understandable and reasonable pace and the beginning of the game specifically really allows for you to explore these mechanics, for you to understand that you are not one body, you are not one body in the midst of, you know, in the midst of four different clones controlling them. You are all of these things at one simultaneous moment. And sometimes you have to die to achieve the ultimate goal, which is moving forward and seeing the end of the story. When the games finally when the game finally starts to ramp up in the puzzle department, it goes up substantially. Like zero from hundred, real quick. Um, there were some puzzles that I would sit there for thirty minutes at a time, and I'm like, "What am I doing wrong?" And it's always some just little intricacy that you're missing, and it's such a challenging game. It's so frustrating that it's rewarding. There were many times where I'd be sitting there streaming it and the chat and Justin would be like, you know, I finally did the puzzle. And he was like, how good does that feel? And you can't deny the fact that once you finally get past that one point that's been holding you back for so long, it's one of the best feelings ever. Because these puzzles aren't just little intricate things by end game. You have to sincerely take your time to the like the most minute detail and move all four of these clones around at the same time plus yourself in a way to allow you to progress it is not easy it is not easy and then by the end of it because like i said you're in space you're starting to take gravity into account too so some of the clones are standing right side up some of them are upside down it is incredible the amount of challenging mechanics that can await around any corner in the game. And as frustrating as it was, it was some of the best gameplay that I've experienced in a very long time. And on top of that, the story, while a little convoluted to me at first, by the end of it, I didn't see it coming. I didn't see a lot of things coming in that game. I didn't expect it to hit as deeply as it did. Some of the things that you are just passing by all willy-nilly in the beginning of the game really comes back later and you're like, oh shit. Like, you start to really fear for your life by the end of it and this is not a game that presents itself as such. 
this is a very standard like just side-scrolling space adventure it seems like but it gets dark and it gets dark fast um this game really shines in its atmosphere in terms of both uh visually like the aesthetics visually and um like auditory as well um it does a great job at making you feel isolated and towards the end of the game that is the one harrowing feeling that kept pushing me, f me forward it was isolation i wanted to find something more i wanted to not be alone anymore the sound does a great job at that the sound design itself like i it felt like there was nothing there but i was still being chased forward um you're in the vast expanse of space on this station presumably alone and it's a sickening feeling by the end of it and by the end of the game you have to make an ultimate choice and it hit me like a ton of bricks and every choice that I had made up until that point in the game came crashing down around me everything that I had read, all the logs in the terminals it was a it was it was a very heavy ending made louder by the choice that you have to make and as quickly as you make the choice it almost gives you depending on which route you go the route that I went it was uh I guess the righteous path to take and for a minute there you have a glimmer of hope but it quickly comes crashing down I did not expect to be left with the feelings that I was left with while playing this and I know that I've said a lot that sounds completely vague but I'm doing it on purpose because when I say I recommend this to people I cannot recommend it enough I'm very glad that it was recommended to me it was a challenging game full of ridiculous puzzles, a twisting and winding story that leads ultimately up to a fantastic conclusion that will leave you sitting, staring at your screen in silence because there's nothing else that you can do. It took me six and a half hours to beat the game. I think it is very worth it for the price of $15 on Steam. Not sure. I think you can get it anywhere else. If you want a challenge, this game is for you. If you want a story that will come across as hollow, but by the end leave you clutching your chest, this game is for you. If you're looking for an indie game that has probably gone completely unnoticed, this game is for you. Um, fantastic, fantastic. I cannot say enough good about it. I have to really think and reconsider my best games played of all time i'm not saying this is number one two three four five but this definitely crosses the threshold into top 10 just because of how absolutely brilliantly it performed all the way across the board i love everything about it yeah dude i i need to go back and give it a another um playthrough i played it Oh man, how long ago was it? Like 20, 
Oh man, 2017, 2018, maybe? Yeah, this game came out in 2013, by the way. Yeah. Damn. I remember it being yeah. on, uh, I, I can't remember if it was on the, uh, the PS3, but I remember it being like a, either a free game that was given away or, um, it was something that somebody had like talked to me about and I ended up buying it and thinking, oh, like this is, this is good. I really like this. And I just, I, for whatever reason, never got around to, to finishing it. Um, and I need to, I need to go back and rectify that because you're right. It is, it is a good game. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, hell yeah. Swap. Alright, uh, last one for me. I've been playing Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion. Um, I talked about it a, a pretty decent bit during our Game of the Year episode. It ended up being, uh, what was it, my number six Game of the Year? Just right outside my top five. Um, and... I have a very weird relationship with Final Fantasy VII. Um, Eight is still my favorite Final Fantasy. Um, I I adore Eight, um, and I didn't. Um, I I don't want to say that I I didn't love Seven, but. Seven wasn't one that I thought of as like, oh, this is one of the greatest games of all time, blah, 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 blah. But then when they finally put like the music out on uh, like the Spotify and Apple Music and all that stuff, when they finally put those those collections out, I listened to it and I, I love, I absolutely love the music from Seven. It's something that I've always like, this is, you know, great music or whatever. Um, but, uh, seven was never that, that game that I felt like was the best of its generation and and whatnot, you know, uh, it was just a game that I really enjoyed. Um, and, uh, so... When it came, like I was talking about with the music, when when the when those music uh, things came out, I I remember listening to it and thinking to myself, "Oh, oh, holy shit! I'm getting emotional. Maybe I really do love Seven more than than I think that I do." And as it, I guess, kind of turns out, that, that is the case. Um, I think that Seven is a a really extraordinary game, and part part of that is Crisis Core. I think that Crisis Core, within the context of the Seven universe, is a sort of impeccable game in many ways. And I think that uh, to say that it's not a good game uh, would be kind of giving it uh, not the credit that it deserves. um, Because it is a very interesting game in its own right, on its own. Um, and I really, really had a lot of fun rediscovering that on this playthrough because 
it is a game that is very interesting because it was it was originally developed for the PSP, right? And because of that, it had software limitations, obviously. Um, but on top of that, like it introduces parts of the story that weren't really even necessary to tell if if you know if we're really just being totally honest with ourselves like you didn't need to tell us that story because it was kind of already told in seven and playing through this i think it's very clear that seven despite its flaws in game design which again come from the fact because it was made for the PSP I think that this is some of the best writing in in what I would call modern Final Fantasy like with regards to if it came out anywhere from like 2010 onwards um I just really, really fucking dig this game, man. The updates that they did are really, really great. They updated the combat a bit. They didn't do a full, like, reworking the way that they did with, um... Uh... Seven's combat, where Seven, you know, obviously the old school was, like, it was the, um... Uh... Turn-based combat or whatever, and then they kind of, like, merged turn-based with kind of like action combat from 15 and 13 in a really I think interesting way um, and uh, they didn't do that this time they kind of they kind of modernized it a little bit but kept it mostly the same like the I think it's called the DMV or ah, that might not be right uh, but the little wheel up in the top left hand corner is still there and that kind of determines uh, certain aspects of a battle like you'll get things like um, your MP cost for magic is just completely gone or you'll get stuff like um, uh, your summons come out of there and your limit breaks come out of there and that can be uh, I mean like I said it, it's part of the reason that it was like you could, you can see oh this game was made for the PSP type thing um, and that can be frustrating for people, and I, I totally am, uh, uh, what's, what's the word that I want to use? I am totally not against criticizing that point. Um, I think that, uh, obviously there are, uh, flaws within it because it is, uh, a game of its time and of its, uh, system and stuff like that. But... I don't think that those hamper the gameplay, um, like, at all. I, I think that this is still incredibly fun to play, and uh, it has, like I said, a really, really fucking great story underneath it. Um, and there are emotional bits in it that still, like, they fucking hit hard, man. They really fucking hit, like, just... They just hit incredibly hard. Like, I, I don't even really know any other way to, 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 to describe it. Um, but, like, I 
fucking dig the hell out of this game. And I think that if you are a fan of uh, really just Final Fantasy in general, um, I think that like you should give this one a shot. I really think that it is worth your time because um, it expounds upon the story of Seven by like a lot, but also does a, a good enough job in like exploring its own themes and its own technologies and its own its own things in a way that like make it an interesting play even if you've never played um, Final Fantasy 7 before like I, I think that it is um, I think it's interesting regardless is, is probably the best way to put it uh, there, this game isn't without its flaws uh, I, I think that like to say that it doesn't have any would be uh, a very uh, not truthful statement. Um, and I think that, like, I think that some of the bad tendencies of Square Enix in recent years, especially with regards to how they treat their. Um, I don't want to say lesser properties. That's that's a bad way of putting it. But how they treat some of their um, less beloved, we'll, we'll put it that way, titles uh, still rear their head here. Like even though Seven is obviously very well like loved and and things of that nature, um, Crisis Core is a title that is very dated and was kind of niche already to begin with um and because of that i think you can kind of see that like they didn't they didn't care enough to get rid of some of the more troubling uh well i don't want to say that that's probably the wrong way to say it but like they didn't so they didn't redo the cutscenes for this game uh which is something that like i i think is or, well, sorry, not cutscenes. That's that's fr putting it in the wrong framing. But the the pre-rendered FMV uh, cutscenes still look like they belong on the PSP, and like that's something that like I was very I've been very upset with Square in the past. Like especially with Final Fantasy VIII, the pre-rendered backgrounds are just. They're awful. They, they they look like they are from that that era, that CRT like late '90s, early 2000s, 480p era, um, and the FMVs on this look like they're from the PSP era. They're not. They're not remastered, and they're not, you know, done in a way that like is appealing. It's very jarring when you go into those things. Um, Whereas, like, the in-engine cutscenes, they look incredible. Like, they look way better. And, um... Yeah, I just... There are some troubling aspects of it, and that's that's kind of why it got kept out of my top five. 
but it is such a really incredible experience that I think that if you like Final Fantasy at all, but especially if you like Seven, it's it's more than worth your time. I'm gonna try to pick it up soon. You should. Do you have time for that? Probably not. But we'll see. We. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. All right. Um. Austin. So, uh, yeah. Um. My last game is Fire Emblem Engage. Uh. I was really stoked for this one. I even though I didn't finish it because that last mission uh, frustrated the shit out of me, and I just never went back. Uh, I love Fire Emblem Three Houses. I thought it was a fantastic fucking game, and I was very very excited for Engage. Um, and I'm 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 loving it. I don't think I'm enjoying it anywhere near. No, I don't want to say that. I. There are certain aspects of it that I don't like as much as I like Three Houses. Um, but then there are other aspects of Engage that I think did it a lot better. Um, like, for example, I think the combat in Engage is much more... Uh, it, it's just more appealing. It's more fluid than I feel like the combat system was with uh, Three Houses. But then I, I don't feel like the cutscenes in Engage are, are as good and it's kind of jarring and I, I don't know if it's because this has a little bit more of that like I, I don't know how to describe it but like cutesy like fantasy anime kind of art style to it uh, a little bit more so than Three Houses did so I don't know if that's what's kind of throwing me off with the animation but it, like it, it feels very very stiff um except for the cinematic cutscenes those look fucking awesome dude those look so fucking good uh but then it's kind of jarring when you go to the rest of the game um but it's it's really fucking cool uh the whole gimmick with this game was um it's called the emblem system throughout throughout the story you unlock uh unlock 12 different rings that are basically contain the souls of previous fire emblem uh protagonists and other major characters and it like it just feels like a celebration of the franchise and it, it's so neat and i i was really worried going into it i was like okay i feel like all of these like emblem power ups are just going to be like oh you can uh this does a little bit more damage or now you're a little bit sturdier and it was going to be very simple but these have like they're not just power ups like these emblem rings give give the equipped characters like genuine strategic advantage um, the first major one you get to use, which was Marth, uh, is kind of just a simple attack power-up. Um, but then you start unlocking more, and I don't remember her name. I think she was the lead, the female protagonist from Fire Emblem Fates. Uh, Josh, I don't know if you played that I, one or I not, but I'm did, blanking on that name. but I don't name. remember her name. But, uh, her, like, her emblem ability, it allows the equipped character to, like, teleport across the map and, like, behind enemy forces or closer to allies. So instead of attacking, you can heal them from, like, a larger distance. Um, there are, there's one that, like, lets you just attack in a straight line going, like, being able to go through multiple enemies at once. It gives you so much strategic advantage and, and it's such a cool concept. Uh, I'm very excited to finish it. I... I want to hold my thoughts on the story until I finish it because it's it's kind of I'm not sure how I feel about it. I don't think I'm really enjoying it all that much. 
But I don't know. I need to finish it before I can make a full judgment on it. But I'm very excited. It's been really good so far. I've been having a lot of fun. Does it, um... I don't remember where I read this, but I was under the impression that the social sim elements were kind of... Uh, I don't want to say streamlined, but like they were... They yeah. were lesser than than what we had gotten in Three Houses. Because I, I remember... Yeah. Uh, what was it? Fire Emblem Awakening was probably my first introduction to this series. And I remember mm -hmm. um, that game in particular, what felt more like the, the sort of like mission-based, like, okay, you play a mission, you go on, that sort of thing. Um, and yeah. I was... I can't remember if I read it or I heard it somewhere, but I was under the impression that that's kind of similar to what was going on here. Is that actually the case? Yeah, that's very similar. The um, You do have kind of like a, a hub town that you can go back to uh, between every major story chapter instead of just moving on. Um, and there there's a small social sim, but like the bonuses they give you that I've noticed so far are so minute that it, it doesn't matter. Okay. Fair enough. Um, oh, fuck, what was I going to say? I was going to say something else. Uh, this is also the first Fire Emblem game, to my knowledge, uh, and I'm pretty also pretty sure I read this somewhere, this is the first Fire Emblem game to have a fully voiced protagonist uh, that is like completely 100% involved in the story, and it, that's been really fucking cool. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember... Up to a certain point, I don't remember um, there being a uh, a voiced protagonist in this series. I don't think that there ever has been. Not that I've seen. But I haven't played every game either, so I don't know. Yeah. I should. I should. I really do want to go back and play those 3DS games. I never got to them, and I really want to play them. Awakening is cool, and there are a lot of, like really good characters in Awakening um, but yeah I don't uh, I don't know that having played Three Houses I don't know that they hold up as well as Three Houses does because I, I really dig the, the social sim elements of of the newer Fire Emblem games um, mm -hmm. I, I think that they're I think that that adds an, enough to it to make them more interesting on their own. Yeah. I uh, I will say that the next uh, sexiest video game character episode that we do, half of the main roster of this game is going to be in that fucking episode. Oh, yeah? Because that shit is wild. They went hard with some of these character designs. Well, hey. <laughs> you know... <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, uh, Are we doing another one of those soon? Uh, yeah. Didn't we plan that? Isn't that like next week? Well, one, of, one of the one of the things one of our uh, our content uh, pillars for this year. One thing that we are one hundred percent going to be doing is we're going to be doing um, uh, one hundred uh, character battle royales. The Hundred sexiest characters. We're going to be uh, taking a look at at that, and then going from there. 
Sounds smutty. Can't wait. It's going to be so smutty. <laughs> the most smutty, really. <laughs> oh, Lord. What are we fucking doing here? All right, uh, Dylan. Who knows? Tell us about your, your last game. Uh, Forspoken came out yesterday. I bought Forspoken yesterday. <laughs> That's um, it. That's the story. <laughs> might as well be. Uh... So I bought this because for a while there, I was excited for this game. That excitement turned to didn't really care at some point, and then I, I, I was back and forth about whether I was going to get it or not, and all the reviews started coming out, and while I've not read a single review, I've seen the scores for it, and they don't bode well for this game. Um, so I said, let me see for myself. Um... I got it, and I, uh, outside of a few gameplay videos, I don't really know too much about what we're working towards. But you start out as Frey, who is given a second chance. Um, instead of going to prison, a judge graciously lets her go. She runs into some trouble with a gang. They follow her home. They set her house on fire. Um, inside of that was the money that she was going to use to escape New York City, but all she managed to escape with from the burning wreckage was her cat. She leaves the cat in safe hands, goes exploring an abandoned building, and finds a cuff. A cuff that goes around her right arm, and in putting it on, she is teleported away to the world of Athia. This is where the story truly starts, and... What a, what a weird story it is. Um, I will say that Frey by herself is a very lovable character. Um, she kind of reminds me a lot of Ellie with just her own personality and charm thrown in there. Um, the cuff, shockingly enough, I did not know, can speak to you. Um, <laughs> it has a very sarcastic wit to it. It's voiced by I'm not sure who, but just imagine Sean... Hastings from Assassin's Creed, and you have that. You have the Cuffs persona. So here we are in the world of Athia. I believe it's called. I hope it's called um, Athia. Maybe. God damn. I think it's Athia. Athia. Yeah. Okay. For okay. Pro, okay. All right. So that's what it is. So you're here. And there has very cl clearly been a cataclysm that's happened. The world is full of this just encroaching miasma or um, what Frey calls the break. It's essentially the shattering of this world that has torn it asunder. Um, so you're kind of trying to travel through and find out what's going on in this world. Um, I've not played too much of it. I've played about four hours into the game. Um, so all of these are first impressions, but first impressions are that the game is mediocre. Um, that being said, I've not not enjoyed my time with it. It is by no means a game that I think you should pay $70 for. We're looking at, at best, a $30 title. Um, the game feels very archaic. In terms of mission structure, some of them are... It feels like it's been ripped out of a PS2 game. Um, and one of the early follow missions that we had, it literally could not have been more sickeningly dull. At a time where you're escaping a prison and you should be on high alert, it's mostly, let's follow this NPC in very bright 
lighting circumstances and we're going to just sneak right past guards who can clearly see us without any repercussion at all. It was very basic, very scripted, and that kind of just tra transcends into other parts of the game, that kind of laziness. Um, outside of main cutscene scenarios, the dialogue in this game is ridiculously dull and slow. It can be like, I can say to Josh right now, um, hey Josh, tomorrow I gotta go to work. And then we're gonna wait a few seconds, dot, dot, dot. And then the NPC, or Josh in this case, responds with, well, I hope you have a good day. It is not seamless at all. It's almost... It's almost an insult at how it was delivered. It's like, that's supposed to come off as something as a next-gen title, when in fact I feel like I'm playing a game that has dialogue from Oblivion or something before. Um, all of that said, I said that I haven't been having a bad time with the game, and that's true, because between learning a little bit more about Frey and her relationship now building with the Cuff, the world itself is kind of amazing. Um, the first area that we're dropped into is just rich with color and vegetation, and it is just lush and beautiful. Like, we have deep purples and blues and pinks on top of the, you know, just the natural grass and stuff like that, too. The monsters and creatures that we're seeing are not normal, but they kind of blend in with the environment as well, like they're supposed to be there, even though they're corrupted. Um... It is really, really neat. And then today we explored a little more and we had an area that was a lot more Earth-like. But in still being Earth-like, it was something that was completely foreign as well. And it was, um, it was constructed beautifully. I'll say that. And on top of all of this is everyone's favorite thing, which is the magic parkour. And that has been a lot of fun. That's essentially your sprint. It's just your way to traverse the map a little better, whether it be with jumping, um, you know, jumping up walls and stuff like that. It, it, it allows you to just move and glide effortlessly around everything. Um, and that goes hand in hand with the combat. The combat essentially combines, as Josh said earlier while watching the stream, gunplay with magic. Um, you have starting off three different spells. One feels like if you were going to put it in terms of gunplay, it feels like a DMR. Um, like a pew, 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 essentially. But then you hold it down and charge it up, and it becomes this rock that you throw. You switch over to a scatter shot, I believe it's called, and it becomes at first like an SMG firing this quick projectile, but then you hold it down and it goes into a scatter shot, almost like a shotgun. And then a shield shot you have to start out with that forms a shield in front of you, and then as the enemies get closer, you unleash it for a true shotgun strength blast, and it drops them on the ground. Once they're in that state, you can then hit, um, for me, it's the Y button to finish them off. And she does this somersault in the air, landing on top of them with the magic blast and ev eventually kills them. Um, on top of that, you can summon things to help you with support magic, or you can bind enemies in place. It is really cool how much there actually is to see and... Um, kind of flesh out with the combat. The boss battles have been a ton of fun. I found my first one today where I had to nope out of there because I got stomped on, literally. Um, 
it's cool. It's cool, man. And I like, I did a dungeon today, which was pretty straightforward, pretty basic. But by the end of it, um, the boss fight in there was a lot of fun because it was, it was on a, like, it was a water boss essentially. And I had these little islands that I had to hop back and forth from, but it was beautiful. These monsters aren't like something you would see on earth. They're covered in this substance. Essentially. It's almost like a crystal like substance that just kind of envelops their body and it's a part of this break that happened. Um, it's it's been a good time. I'm not gonna lie. Like the 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 glaring flaws that the game has going for it does not take away from the things that the game actually shines and does well. Um, I really really love the relationship I see building between Frey and Cuff. Like there was one point today. Cuff is the one to always talk. Like, Cuff is not an annoying companion like the guns from uh, High on Life, um, but he'll occasionally chime in with something to say, and that's kind of how he starts this one conversation out with Frey. He was like, you know, do I always have to be the one to initiate a conversation? And Frey immediately claps back, and this is where her personality shines. This is the kind of person she is. She was like, no, actually, you could shut the fuck up and not say anything at all. And... I love that. Like, I immediately started dying because that's who she is. She's this um, courageous, brazen New Yorker. Not, you know, much unlike our Justin Ruiz himself. And uh, she she's just full of personality and charisma. And I love everything about her. And seeing her interact in this foreign fantasy-filled land, essentially. It's like if any of us were ripped out of our life and thrown straight into Dungeons and Dragons, like, how would we react? Um, on top of all that, the gear mechanic is pretty cool because you have this cloak that goes around you, which is a core piece of your gear, a necklace, which is the core piece of the gear, and then fingernails, which is a really weird thing, but they have their place in the game because these godlike creatures within the game itself are called tantas, and they're the ones that are kind of like the witchy goddesses, the ones that have come to protect the land and stuff like that, essentially, but are essentially falling to this corrupt evil. But they get a lot of their powers from their nails, and they use their own blood to carve essentially kind of like runes into their nails. And Frey picks up on this, and then she can start to like have these additional stat bonuses and stuff like that, too. And I thought that was really cool, because how many games have we had where the piece of gear that you can upgrade are your fingernails. Um, and even in moments like that, when Frey first gets this, she's like, you know, I'm not really a nail girl, but I can rock with this. And that, it was stuff like that that really shows you who she is as a character, as a person, It that's what I'm playing this game for. Like, I'm playing the game to find out more about Frey and her story. I'm playing it to have fun with the combat and the overall magic parkour mechanics. I'm playing the game to flesh out these environments. Like I'm exploring from top to bottom, east to west. Like I want to see everything. It is a game that is loaded with problems, but it's a game that also encourages me to go forward and have fun with the things that it does well. Hell yeah. Are you... Um... trying to think of how to best describe um is it is this a game that you think 
How far do you think that this game will make it uh, when it comes to like game of the year stuff for us? Collectively, if you guys do for some miracle wind up playing it, I don't think it makes it too far. Um, for me personally, right now, it wouldn't even make it far out of the games that I've played this year. Um, mm, no, I can't say that because I've not played many 2023 games at all, actually. Um, I don't think it makes it into my top five unless something substantial happens by the end of it. But it's a game that I want to be able to recommend to people if it goes on sale. I just need to play more to kind of have that opinion, I guess. But as of right now, nah. Like, if we're doing, you know, if we, if we have a top 30 that we've played this year again, I don't think it makes it out of top 20. Damn. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hey. I could be wrong. Prove me wrong, game. Prove him wrong, game. We'll see. We shall see, indeed. Um, is that it? Is that everything that's on the list? That's it, Father. I think cool. so. Awesome. Well, uh, let's uh, let's get our uh, picks of the weekend, and then we'll we'll get out of here. If that's a, if that's all right with you boys, I don't know. I'll allow okay. it. <laughs> Good. I'm I'm glad that you're gonna allow it. Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, my pick of the week is um, it is a video from a channel that I may have pimped before. Uh, I'm not sure, but it's um, it's a channel called Final Fantasy uh, Union. Um, and they do uh, a bunch of videos on Final Fantasy. Uh, very, uh, I guess, obviously. Um, but uh, their videos are, are very good. And um, this one in particular is called... Uh, well, uh, I should say, I, the reason that I started uh, um, watching... Uh, this video in particular is because I'm, I'm doing research on that uh, that old that old Final Fantasy video that I've been talking about for ages, um, and uh, yeah. So this one is uh, about the um, the company of Square is called the Complete History of Square. This is part three. There are I, I guess three parts now, but um, there's going to be. A lot more coming because there's a lot more uh, information to cover and whatnot. And um, this one kind of goes over uh, what happened to Square after the initial success of Final Fantasy, uh, the first one, and what that meant for the company of Square. And um, it's a very well-researched video and uh, has a lot of really interesting insights and a lot of really good information in it and um uh these guys do a really good job they of of making you pay attention to what could easily be boring old facts and stuff like that so um go check it out it's good stuff i think fuck yeah uh my pick of the week is uh love from the other side uh by fallout boy 
Madison has listened to this every day since it came out, so I have also listened to it every day since it came out, and I think it's really good. Is this the one that they just promoted? Uh, where did I see it? I don't know. It came out like last week, I think. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen something relatively recently about it. It was um, pretty good. Sounds like their old stuff. It's pretty good. Good. I have not liked much of Fallout Boy since From Under the Cork Tree. I don't think anybody has. Uh, <laughs> you're not wrong, but their record their record sales say otherwise. I mean, yeah, that's also true. Well. Anyway, cool. Dylan? Um My pick of the week is a song called Terrified by a band called Versus Me. I wasn't really familiar with Versus Me, but they're a metalcore band from Wisconsin, I believe. Um, this song was playing on uh, Octane, Sirius XM's Octane the other day. And I heard it, and I was like, I really like the, the, the rhythm of this. Um, it starts off with a great riff, then it just kicks in, and they kick ass throughout the whole song. So check it out. Hell yeah. Cool. Uh, I'll have to... Maybe give that one a listen. Um, that's it. Yeah, that's that's hey. it. Let's hit these. Let these hit these socials, and we'll get get the fuck out. Um. Okay. Uh. Let's see. As always, you can find us on social media for all things culture pop, hunting pics, and the culture pop family of content. Culture Bop is available on Instagram at culture underscore bop and on YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash culture bop. I am available on Twitter at the underscore bebopman182. No, sorry. At the bebopman182 on Instagram at bebopman182 and on Twitch at the underscore bebopman. Um, Dylan is available on Twitter at omdizzytv on Instagram at omdizzy on Twitch at omdizzy and on the YouTubes at omdizzle. Finally, we got Mr. Big Papa Plays. Austin is on Twitter at Big Papa Plays, Instagram at Big Papa Plays, Twitch at Big Papa Plays, and on TikTok at Big Papa Plays, where uh, you can find some uh, clips of uh, his uh, his runs in uh, Neon White. He's been uploading some stuff. It's a good, good time. I did put one. I'm going to be putting more tomorrow. With more content to mm-hmm. come. More content to come. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, so... There's all of all of that stuff, obviously, and then uh, we've got, you know, stuff down the pipeline. Um, something that uh, was found on our one of our our more recent uh, Instagram posts is um, that we've been uh, we have a ton of um, content planned for this year, including a rework of our. Uh, Patreon. Uh, we have some stuff going on with that um, that's going to be coming out uh, later this year and uh, we're uh, we're expecting to have a, a good time with it. So um, there is that obviously uh, but also we're um, uh, here to kind of I guess like thank our patrons for the um just wonderful support that they've given us for the uh, last um, 
I don't know, 8,000 years, it feels like, at this point. Um, they've uh, been our biggest cheerleaders, obviously, and um, this month we did not have a Patreon d decided topic of the month. Uh, that is something that we have, that we did not do. Um, and uh, that's not because we don't love our patrons, but because... Uh, a, we just have not had the time to do, uh, but B, um, we uh, are working on some of those some of those perks, some of the things that we're planning to do over there. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's something that that we've got we've got certain things in the pipeline uh, for. So. Um, with that all said, uh, it is, I think, a, a good idea for us to thank our patrons in the only way that we really know how, and that is by uh, talking to them directly and telling them how great they are. No, um, we want to shut them out uh, as we uh, do usually once a month, um, but... Uh, you know, like I said, we didn't get the Patreon topic and and whatnot. Um, anyway, point being, we're going to shout them out, let them know that they're doing a great job. And if you would like to hear your name shouted out on uh, on the podcast and 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 what not, uh, you can uh, you can become a patron over at patreoncom slash Uh Like I said, we we do have some uh, some perk changes coming in the way. Um, and uh, we will be uh, working that sort of thing out, um, and uh, we'll we'll get it kind of figured out as as we go along. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, go check out our Patreon there and become a patron, just like Justin the Analyst, Ruiz, Tani the Viking Salmon, Jeffrey the Exiled. Siarto, Blake the Rogue Graham, Gilbert the Butcher Kitchen, Sean the Shadow O'Keefe Jr., Bryn the Executioner, Wood oh God, Bryn, uh, Woodham, Dylan the Flower Child Martin, and Austin the Shinobi Stevens. That's right. That's that's what we're here for. Um, that's it. I think, right? That's, that should be... Uh, yeah, I think that's it. That should be it for us. So, uh, yeah. So, go go check us out and leave us alone because it is now time for us to go and uh, do things like sleep because we are very tired. And Austin is very horny. Hentai is his... Hentai is his queen, and she will not be denied. <laughs> oh, God. What am I doing here? All right. Anyway, that's it. That's the end of our show. So until next time, goodbye.